This program contains material or language which may be considered objectionable. Parental guidance is suggested. I got a bad feeling about this. You are now tuned in to SNS Unplugged. podcast that brings you pro wrestling discussion, gaming, movies, television, and beyond. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Wrestling News, sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com. With your host, all the way from New York City, Bronxzilla, Tony J. Mirabella, King Kong ain't got shit on me, and residing in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Money on the mic. Still the icon. Still the showstopper. Still the main event. Jeff Jackson. I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. Unscripted. Uncensored. Unbelievable. It's unplugged. Welcome to Thunderdome, bitch. We are the best in the world at what we do. But you gotta make Roman look really, really strong. And it starts now.
right, guys, welcome to another edition of Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. I am, as always, your host, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. A lot to talk about on the program tonight. We're going to be running down what happened on Extreme Rules. The biggest news of the week, including a brand split. Cody Rhodes leaves WWE. We're even going to talk a little bit about the Flash season finale. But before we get to all that, ladies and gentlemen, joining me as always, he is my co-host all the way from the NYC. Give it up for Bronxzilla, Tony J. Mirabella. Oh, it's hot, baby. It's hot here in old New York City. Yeah, what's the weather going on? I mean, how hot is it? Well, it's still like 89 fucking degrees at 10.30 p.m., so. Wow. But I'm lucky. I'm one of the fortunate people who have good air conditioning, so I'm nice and comfy here in the studio. Very good, man. So what's been going on with you in the last uh, last little bit since we talked? Not much, man. Just, you know, working, doing the usual, uh, you know, have, looking forward. I'm glad I'm having a few days off, even though I got to do fucking laundry tomorrow, which I hate. And Monday, we're supposed to have a tropical storm. So it's going to be an interesting three-day weekend. You know, I'm I'm actually having my some days off too. Uh, not necessarily because I want to, but uh, I broke my foot. So I, for the next two months, at least, uh, I'm I'm kind of at home, not working, which kind of sucks. So my my income is a little limited with with Harmony on the shelf, obviously, and now me on the shelf. Uh, it's it's quite fun here in uh, Casa de la Sexe. That's because we cover the WWE too much, and you, you got the curse. Now you're injured. I'm probably next. You know, uh, weren't you having problems last week with something? Uh, did I? Not that I recall. I mean, I know I... I oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm getting you confused with the power Andy Knowles. He had an eye problem. Oh, okay. Well, that's easy enough to mix up. I can forgive that. I mean, you have eye problems all the time. Right. He had one this past week, so I'm sorry. I got the two confused. Right, but I'm like the one. I mean, I had a little problems with my voice last month, but as you can hear, that's, thank God, all cleared up. But, you know, so far I'm feeling pretty good. I've got a little heartburn, which I hope doesn't turn. <laughs> well, my luck, I'll be dead by the end of the fucking show. It's just like everybody. I mean, what's next? Uh, is the EFP crew going to get sick? Possibly. You might want to like knock on a table or something, some wood somewhere. Just I don't have wood here. This is all my shit is like flake board. It's uh, just cheap you, shit. You heard it here first. Yeah. If he if he dies at the end of the program, you heard it here first. He predicted it. He must be a prophet. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just it's scary. It looks like that the the WWE starting to get back some of their injured superstars and we're starting to gain some, so who knows? So before people like send me emails and, and want to know exactly how I broke my foot, I'm not going to go into the detail. I'm just going to say it's my fault. I did something stupid, and I'm paying the price for it. So uh, I've got a doctor's appointment on the 16th where they x-ray it, and we see what progress has been made. I thought they were going to do surgery on it. That's what the ER doctor had pretty much led me to believe. And uh, I went and had a doctor's appointment last week, and the guy said he was going to get back with me if I needed surgery, but otherwise I'd see him on the 16th for an x-ray. I'm not in a cast. I have an air cast that I wear when I'm doing things. Otherwise, I just kind of leave it alone, wrap it up with some ice, and, you know, prop it up. So it is what it is. 
uh, aren't you supposed to leave the air cast on like 24-7? I talked to the doctor about that, and they, they said I didn't have to. Just don't do anything strenuous with the, with the, with the, the foot. And I think they don't just give a fuck. I, mean, I, I think so, too. You're going to end up like in a month with a little baby foot. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. You know what? With, with, with the air cast off, it doesn't hurt. So I, I can't really bitch and complain too much. So it, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. But uh, this is the first time I've ever broken a bone. So, you know, I'm 40, uh, 41 years old, and this is, uh, this is a new one for me. So we'll see what happens. I broke my fucking, and I'm not trying to compare it to what you have because it sucks, man. When, when, you know, when it hurts to walk, it hurts, period. You, you always hurt when, when you can't walk correctly. But the worst injury I have had is when I broke my fucking, I, I'm sure I broke it, my fucking tailbone. I was in agony for like a month and a half when I slipped on the ice. I was fucked up. So, I mean, I sympathize, man. You know, hopefully you... I'm glad we were able to do a show. I mean, you're just sitting on your ass, so you're good. Exactly. Foot's propped up, sitting on my ass. I didn't see the need why I couldn't do a show. So, you know. And besides that, we got a lot to talk about. So why don't we go ahead and jump into a lot of the things that we want to talk about. We'll start off, I guess, with Extreme Rules, which happened uh, about a week ago. We're recording this podcast on uh, on a Saturday night, so six days removed from Extreme Rules. And... The pay-per-view was so memorable to me that I actually had to go and find the results so that we could talk about it, so that it would jog my memory. That's how memorable Extreme Rules was. I don't know if I agree with your sarcasm. I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty decent pay-per-view, um, but I'll admit, I mean, the results have kind of you know escaped me at the moment. I mean, I I definitely watched it. Um, I thought it was okay. I mean, I, I didn't have too much of a problem with it. There were a few things, though, that I had issue with. I, uh, I, I just I pulled this up courtesy of WrestleView, uh, the extreme rules results from May 22nd, 2016. I did not watch the pre-show. I'll be real honest. I, I, I don't watch the pre-shows. If they're not part of the pay-per-view, I just don't care. I'm to the point now where I'll watch it when the pay-per-view comes on, but I just don't care about the pre-show. I mean... They're on the network. I don't even know why you need a pre-show. You should have all the matches on the fucking show as opposed to a pre-show. I, I just, I've never agreed with that. I think it sucks, especially for guys who were at WrestleMania and wrestled on the pre-show who should have been part of that show. But no, they were part of the pre-show. I just, I don't like the whole pre-show thing. It's, you know, if you want to do a pre-show and you want to hype everything up and you want to get people excited, don't throw matches on it. I just, I think it's a waste. And unfortunately, Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin, once again, got to be the focal point of the fucking pre-show. That's only because Ryback's in trouble. That's because Ryback is gone. I mean, he's sitting at home waiting for them to release him out of his contract. Yeah, see, I I don't know. I'll watch the pre-show depending who's on it. And most of the time, it's Dolph Ziggler. And I think... I don't know. Maybe I watch it out of some type of like sympathetic. I'm like, I want to, I want to get to see Dolph because I think he is a hard worker and he's really good. What the fuck is this guy doing on the pre-show in 2016? Really? Well, because they need somebody to make Baron Corbin look good. Look, I, I don't have a thing. I don't have anything against Baron Corbin. I think he's got a good look to him. I think he's a big dude. I just don't think that he was ready for the call up. I think he's still green as goose shit. And, you know, you need a guy like Ziggler to make him look good. Let, I mean, let's be honest. Ziggler, 
could make a broomstick look good. Oh yeah, I agree completely. I mean, I, you know, I've I've said it about Corbin even when he was in NXT, and I watched. I think I had messaged you at that last takeover he was on. I'm like, hey man, you know that match wasn't that great. You know, I think he could have used maybe the rest of 2016 in NXT. And then maybe in the beginning of 2017, if he got a little better, then you could have brought him up. I think it was, I agree, a few months too soon. Now, from what I read in this recap, it was a pretty good match. However, in the end, Corbin avoided a super kick from Dolph Ziggler and connected with a low blow, uh, hit his end of days finish for the win. And so your winner, by pinfall, via the end of days, Baron Corbin on the pre-show. Now, before this, the Dudley boys came out and said they weren't on the program. And how dare they? It's an extreme show. And they're from ECW, which basically uh, led to Big Cass coming out and, you know, talking shit on these guys. Um, Cass went after the Dudley boys. The Dudley boys started to beat Cass down. Um, Cass delivers a big boot to Bubba followed by the East River Crossing to Devon. And then Cass goes outside and says, there's only one word to describe you, and I'm going to spell it out. S-A-W-F-T. Soft. And there you go. And that leads us into the Dolph Ziggler, Baron Corbin. So that, that was your pre-show, folks, right there. See, I missed – I see, that that's news because I missed that. I missed the Dudley Boys, Cass, uh, um, pr- uh, whatever it was, interaction – um, I did see the um, Ziggler-Corbin match, though. I mean, it was okay. I mean, it was what it was. Ziggler did his best to make the guy look good. I mean, it was it was an okay match. And again, like, I really just watched it to support Ziggler. Like, if it was two guys I didn't care about, I'm with you. I usually just don't watch it. But, yeah, like I said, that's, that's our pre-show. We start Extreme Rules off with a Texas Tornado match with the Usos going up against uh, two members of the club, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Um, I thought this was a a really good match. I really enjoyed it and love the fact that in the end, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson uh, hit the magic killer and got the pinfall on Jimmy Uso for the win. So uh, Gallows and Anderson, I think this was their first pay-per-view appearance or their their first special event appearance in the WWE. And, of course, they got the win over the Usos. You know, it's amazing to me how heat, as much as I've gotten to know the business a lot better since I've been doing radio and everything, but it amazes me how heat can actually rub off because I was quite frankly shocked at the reaction the Usos got coming out. I mean, I was like, really? I mean, <laughs> if if you're Jimmy and Jay, you maybe you're looking at Roman like, man, maybe we should have stayed away from our cousin. But see, I don't even know that it really has anything to do with Roman. I just think that the Usos are a stale act. I mean, look, at one point in time, the Usos were super over. Kids fucking loved them. The face paint, the T-shirts, they're colorful. I think the time has passed. And, you know, obviously they are related to Roman. I think they're missing the boat here. I think that you put the Usos, Roman together, you turn them heel. And is it really going to hurt to have a, a, a faction of, of Samoan heels? I think it, it could work. And you know what? In time, let them show that they're badasses and maybe the, the crowds will get behind them. I, I just, I think there's potential for a heel Samoan faction. And I'm, I'm talking Roman, the Usos bring up Samoa Joe, who is tearing it up in NXT right now as the top heel. 
you know, maybe you throw in Tamina. You know, when 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 what's her face gets the call up from from NXT at some point in the in the future, hopefully not for another couple of years. But when uh, Nia Jax makes her fucking arrival on the on the scene, you put her in there and you've got dominance. You've got a guy that's the world champion. You've got people that go after the tag belts. You've got someone who can go after the women's title. You got someone who can go after a, a lower card intercontinental or U.S. title. You have a faction full of badass fucking heels that are all Samoan that could be the Roman Empire. Have we ever had a, a Samoan faction, really? I, I don't believe so. I can't recall one. See, I'm trying to re- I'm trying to remember. And, you know, I think the closest they came really was the Head Shrinkers, which at one point was three people. They might have actually teamed up Yoko and the Head Shrinkers at one point, but I don't I don't know. Yeah, I used to love the Head Shrinkers. I mean, we, we mentioned this before. I'd have no problem with that. But I kind of disagree with you. I don't actually think it's that the Usos got stale. Maybe they have, but when they really started getting booed is when they started putting this whole family shit together. When they really drove it home that these are these guys are related to Roman. I mean, you always knew it, but they never put it right out there. They kept them pretty separate from Roman. And as soon as they started helping him in matches and started having triple threats and shit, well, not triple threats, six man, you know, tags. That's when I I felt the heat going on to the Uso. So, I mean, my thing with WWE, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at this. If the fans are going to boo them anyway, give them a fucking reason to. Simple. I agree. But we'll see what they do. I mean, we'll talk about the brand split here in a little bit, but there's a lot of things that could happen with this brand split that, you know, if done properly could work out. If it's done poorly... Maybe not, but, you know, I think that this brand split could be a really good idea, especially with the uh, the rosters of talent that they have uh, in WWE right now. I mean, but like I said, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that, which we'll do after Extreme Rules. Um, next match on the card, we had the U.S. title, Kalisto defending against Rusev, who was accompanied by Lana. I really enjoyed this match because, it, to me, it kind of brought Rusev back to where he should be, and that's that fucking you know top of the mid card badass. I'm gonna fucking rip you apart, humble you, and do whatever I want with you. Loved seeing uh, Kalisto get hand and, and don't get me wrong, I'm a Kalisto fan. I think the kid is phenomenal. And I think that he could be, uh, you know, a big star if they really put the rocket behind him. And kind of make him like a Rey Mysterio 2.0. I think he's very talented. However, Rusev has been languishing. And I mean languishing in fucking mid-card, bottom of the mid-card, lower mid-card hell. Since losing the U.S. title to John Cena last year. And in this match, he really took advantage. Beat the piss out of fucking Kalisto. And uh, ended up regaining the U.S. title via the accolade submission, which looked fucking sick. I mean, he fucking had him bent. I, I didn't think Kalisto could bend that way. I mean, fuck. The, the, the only guy that I know that can bend that way is Jack Evans. That guy's like fucking Gumby. But fucking oh. Kalisto looked like, looked like his fucking tongue was touching his fucking feet. Like, he was just bent in half. Oh, he killed that motherfucker. I was watching. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that that, that finisher was crazy, man. Here's my problem. Here's what ruined that for me. That segment they had earlier 
where I forget what they were doing backstage with him and Lana. Where Was it in the pre-show where they interviewed Rusev? I believe it was, yeah. See, that ruins it for me. I don't want him out there. And, and Rusev, you have to remember, you either have an accent or you don't. You're not Kofi Kingston. Because half of the time he forgets he's supposed to talk like a Bulgarian. But don't do that. We don't, I don't want to know about this guy's personal life. I don't want to hear all this bullshit. I don't want him interviewed. I want him to go out there, break people in half, hold up the title, and that's it. You know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think it's hard to get him back to where he was even with the belt because they've, what's the word? They humanized him too much. You know, I, I don't want to hear this romantic shit about him and Lana. He's a killer. I don't care about what he likes to have for breakfast. Does that make sense? I think when you take a, a dominant heel like that, a badass heel, just have him grunt and fucking Russian every week. It works. I think they person they they personalized him, humanized him too much. I don't know if if I agree with the with they made him too human. I just I feel like he hit that brick wall called John Cena, just like everybody does. And once you hit that wall, you're never the same. I mean, we've seen that with Bray Wyatt. We've seen it with Wade Barrett. Countless superstars have hit that John Cena wall and languished the rest of their careers. And I was a little worried that by putting this title on him, that John Cena, as soon as he comes back, is going to be the guy to beat Rusev and get that title again. And go back to doing the U.S. Open challenges. And I, I hope that doesn't happen. Because, I mean, if you look at the way Rusev beat down Kalisto, it was in a very bullying way. I mean, he took the advantage. I think he injured him on Raw the week before. And, you know, has really been picking his spot with Kalisto. And I, I'm almost afraid that first night back in, John Cena's going to challenge for that title and fucking take it off of him. And if that happens, in my opinion, that's a mistake. Yeah, as much as we like the Cena Open Challenge, I don't think it's something that needs to be done again right now. I'm not saying you can never do it again. But, you know, let Rusev run with it. You know, let Callisto get his rematch and see where that goes. You know, who else after Callisto could maybe challenge him? I don't know. Well, again. Ziggler, maybe you try that. I mean, again, I mean, I if you do it right. Well, I, I think that one of the things that really helped, you know, elevate Rusev to the level of being a guy that could challenge John Cena at a WrestleMania was having that title and being undefeated. And if they want to go that route and make him this unstoppable U.S. champion again, I'm all for it because I really enjoyed the ride the first time. Unfortunately, like I said, that feud with Cena took him down so much that I don't know that he can get back to that point, but we'll see. It's almost Cena's like, have you ever played Mario Kart? Cena would be like a special shell that you throw and a brick wall fucking comes up behind you so all the other cars crash into it. <laughs> the, the John Cena mod. Someone needs to do that for fucking Mario Kart. Fuck I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. As soon as a guy has a little bit of momentum, someone throws that fucking John Cena shell and you're screwed. True that. Uh, next up, we have the tag team championship. The New Day defends against uh, Kofi Kingston, or excuse me, the New Day with Biggie and Xavier Woods. Um, Kofi Kingston was at ringside. I found this interesting that Kofi wasn't actually defending the belt with Biggie, but it was Biggie and Xavier 
versus the Vaude Villains, Aiden English and Simon Gotch. Uh, it was a decent match. There was a point that I actually thought the Vaude Villains were going to get the win. Um, but in the end, I think it was they, the, I think Gotch and, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Gotch and English hit the Whirling Dervish, which is their finish, which is like a, kind of like a swing and neck breaker thing on Xavier Woods, and he kicked out, which a lot of people were pissed about. And uh, this allowed, you know, New Day to come back. I think at one point Kofi hit the uh, trouble in paradise while the ref was distracted on Simon Gotch, which allowed Xavier Woods to come in with a running knee and uh, get the pin on Gotch for the win. So they retained Oh, but I'm sick of these three guys wrestling as three guys. It should be two guys, goddammit. Oh, wait, wrong show. Sorry. Yeah, this ain't the rewind, man. I, I fucking, I, I don't believe in this whole fucking ride the line between kayfabe and fucking reality. Uh, you know, we're going to fucking tell it like it is here. I don't need to be called the fucking truth detector to fucking tell you the truth. No, my thing is, I just, as long as, see, here's my, th- look. The free bird rule shit, as long as it's only two on two. Now, if the third guy is interfering in every match, then maybe I start getting a little pissed off. I can understand that. But it doesn't happen that often with the New Day. Um, as far as, I don't know, the Vaudevillian, I keep saying villains. The Vaudevillians in the main roster, I just feel like, I don't know, man. Like, they're not connecting the way they were in NXT. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you this now. If if I were bringing up talents from NXT like they did after WrestleMania, the Vaude Villains would not have been on that list. I mean, no offense to those guys. Um, I'm not a fan of Aiden English at all. I, I kind of like Simon Gotch a little bit, but not a fan of Aiden English. I've never liked him, you know, and it's nothing personal. There's just nothing about him that, that captivates me, that, that interests me in any fucking way I, I i mean i don't know how to explain it to you i just don't care about the guy but i mean I, he, he just you, he, he literally draws no response from me except maybe i might yawn like he does nothing for me go make a sandwich yeah you know it's like oh my villains around i'm gonna go make a sandwich you know i'm gonna go take a piss I, I don't know there's nothing about these guys that i find compelling and I don't think that of, of the tag teams that are in NXT, they should have been the ones to be brought up. I mean, not that I'm a huge fan of, of Murphy and, um, and, uh, and Blake, but I thought those guys were, were very talented. You know, they, they've since split up on NXT, but they could have been brought up and you could have done something with them. Uh, American Alpha is ready, but right now they're the tag champs there, and I think they should stay there for a little bit. You know, you've also got the Revival who lost the tag team championship to American Alpha at the takeover in Dallas, who are fucking fantastic. Dash and Dawson, I think, are one of the best tag teams in the WWE period. Throwback. They feel like a throwback tag team to me. I like them. You know, I mean, I just, I would not have brought up the Villains, and I really didn't think their shtick was going to, you know, work here on the main roster. Um, I don't know. I, I just... This match was okay. Glad the the Vaude villains didn't win the titles. I just figured that they were fodder for New Day. Who knows where they go from here? Well, I mean, I don't want to be a hypocrite because when they were in NXT and they won the titles, I marked out because I liked the gimmick. I thought it was funny. I just thought it worked in NXT. But, 
it just seems in the main roster that this type of thing just isn't going to work. The you know, thing- maybe you need to repackage these guys, send them back to NXT, maybe put them together a little differently. The only thing that I ever thought made them over was when Blue Pants was hanging out with them. Yeah, why wasn't she brought up? Because well, she's not with the company anymore. They let her go a while ago. Oh, really? Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, and they let Blue Pants go? That's fucked well, up. She was never under an exclusive contract, and I think that she had an ego problem or something, and they just parted ways with her. So, or Ego problem. I mean, yeah. I mean, she, I mean, she was top of the food chain, brother. Hey, hey, she was Blue Pants. Got to demand some more money. That's right. All right, next up, we have a, a backstage interview with AJ Styles, who's talking to Renee Young. And uh, we see him walk into the dressing room of Anderson and Gallows. We see a nice video package for the Fatal 4-Way Intercontinental match, which leads us into the Fatal 4-Way Intercontinental match. Miz defending his wife at ringside versus Kevin Owens versus Cesaro versus Sami Zayn. Um, Fucking phenomenal match. I got to say, I really enjoyed. This was like the first match that really perked me up in this in this particular show um and i would almost say it's almost match of the night i really enjoyed the main event but i think those two matches to me were were both matches of the night i can't really pick which one i thought was better but for four guys who are just amazing in-ring talents i mean whether you like them is or not he's great for the role he's in he knows how to get the heat he's a great shit talker um, he's not a bad in-ring worker, but when you put him in there with guys like Kevin Owens, who I think is the top heel in this company right now, and Cesaro, who I think is amazing as as a top babyface in this company, and Sami Zayn, who's always the underdog babyface, fuck, man. Recipe for a masterpiece. Yeah, I really didn't want The Miz to retain, but I didn't have a problem with it at the end of the match just because I saw how hard he worked, you know? He bust. They all busted their ass. That was to me. I don't know. Everyone loved the main event. I mean, I liked it too. But to me, I don't even have to think about it. This this was match of the night to me. You know, and the best part about this was the story here that Sami Zayn had the opportunity to pin the Miz and or or, or to pin Cesaro and win this title, and he let the animosity and the history that he has with kevin owens prevent him from doing so which allowed kevin owens or excuse me which which allowed uh the miz to pin cesaro who had been hit with a haluva kick by zane do they have a writer one writer who's doing just this storyline between um kevin owens and zane because wwe writing is often so stupid but this from the video packages to that psychology you just mentioned in the ring, that it was more important for him to get back at Kevin Owens and even to win the title. I think at some point, I mean, how do you, what phenomenal way would you put this to an end when it's their last match? I mean, do you do it in a cage, a hell in a cell? At some point, these two need to be locked up and have them fucking kill each other because it feels like old school hate. I legitimately feel, even though I know it's kayfabe, I, I'm getting that feeling where I'm suspending disbelief and believing that these two fucking guys loathe each other. See, I don't think there'll ever be a final match between these two. I think that, you know, 
Kevin Owens has made the you know the the statement before that they're destined to do this forever, and they did this for years in ROH as best friends and as rivals, and Girl you know they, they've they've run the gamut for years, and now they're doing it on the on the big stage in WWE. Right? Here's the thing: I really hope with this brand split that they get separated. Zayn goes to one brand, Owens goes to the other, and they have very little crossover until maybe a big show like a SummerSlam or maybe WrestleMania next year. They have a one-on-one match. Um, or maybe or maybe their feud reignites in the Rumble because I'm assuming with a brand split, you're going to have 15 of Raw guys and 15 of the SmackDown guys. And so that's another way you can intertwine the rivalry if you have them on separate brands is that's how it comes out. Maybe you have an interpromotional match at WrestleMania next year you know, with, with something major on the line between these two. I just, you know, I don't want to see them in a feud every month. I want you to, to drag this thing out. And I think, again, separate them after the brand split and see what happens. And then at some point you bring them back together, for, like I said, the Rumble, and you give them a match at WrestleMania against each other. And I think I think it's magic. But I think these guys are destined to, to, to be allies and enemies for the rest of their lives yeah i could see that happening and you're probably right it's probably best not to say to have that blow off match just yet you know save that you're right for a summer slam or wrestlemania um and i think that that maybe if they're smart that's what they'll do because just between these two now i wonder if we go off in a separate direction where cesaro feuds with the miz for a while I think that's kind of the direction that they're going here. I, I think that Cesaro is the guy that's going to beat the Miz for that title, and I think I've even said that the last time we did a show. Um, and in fact, I think when you and I were doing predictions together, which we didn't do on the air, I even said that I didn't think Miz was losing this belt. I think he's going to keep it till maybe SummerSlam, and then you've got a main reason to get it off of him. And I think a guy like Cesaro might be the guy that takes it from him on a big stage like SummerSlam. You want Miz to keep that title as long as he can to continue to be the heel that he is. That way that when someone does finally beat him, it's a big fucking deal. And again, I think Cesaro is the guy to do it. And I think SummerSlam is the place. Yeah, he feels like the honky-tonk man, the Miz. That guy who you can't fucking stomach because when I was a kid, I couldn't, which I guess is a little bit of a credit to Wayne that he did a good job with his character because I couldn't stomach him. And when he finally lost, finally lost that belt to Warrior, I actually remember punching my TV screen because I was so freaking happy. I was like, yes, yeah, you could do that. I can see the comparisons in in my head about, you know, I honestly thought in that fatal four way he was going to lose it. I give WWE credit. They swerved me when he retained but you see, and I disagreed on that, and you were right. He retained. See, I in, in a fatal four-way, I mean, it, sometimes it's ripe for a champion to lose the title and not get pinned. But I just felt with, with the the four guys that was in this match, um, the main feuds, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be Cesaro and Miz. And obviously Owens and Zayn are going to have their own thing going off. Um, I, I just I feel like Cesaro's the guy that's going to get it. And he's going to take it from the Miz. They've been building for this for a while, so why not have it pay off? You know, in a big fashion at SummerSlam. I, I just, I'd be surprised if it was anybody else. I know that the power wants it to be John Cena. Please, God, no. 
No, 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 no. We don't need that. Anybody but Cena. We, he, him with the IC belt, that means nothing. That belt, you got to be kept on some mid-card guys. a mid-card title. You know, I don't like when they go back and take... Although the Cena shit with the U.S. title was good. But generally, I don't like when they go back and you know, put like an IC title on a guy who's had the world title 50 fucking times. I hate that. Well, I'll say this. I I don't believe John Cena has ever been intercontinental champion. So if they wanted to go that route and they wanted to do the intercontinental open invitational every week, it would at least elevate that title to another level because the U S title was elevated while Cena was champion. So, I mean, you could do that, but I would much rather see a guy like Cesaro run with that title. But, I mean, you know, who knows what they have in store. I almost think that Cena comes back and he's got to be put back in that uh, that main event scene. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and I think that the Miz could actually do more to elevate that title by holding it and being the hated heel to where when he finally is beaten, like you said, that title means something because you're so happy it's off the guy. That'll do more than putting it on Cena. I like that scenario much better. Yeah, let the fucking Miz run till SummerSlam, fucking August. Hell yeah, let him piss people off all summer. Next up, we have the first ever WWE Asylum match, which is like a steel cage match with weapons o- over top between yep. Dean Ambrose and uh, and Chris Jericho. And all I can say is this match happened, and at some point, I got bored. Um, I, I'm a huge Ambrose fan. I love Dean Ambrose. I do. I, I think that he should have been champion uh, this past year instead of Roman Reigns. I, I think that there were opportunities when you could have had Seth Rollins dropped the title to Dean Ambrose and get it back, or you could have turned Roman heel by having him turn on Dean and take the title from Dean. There were ways you could have done something, and I just feel like Dean is stagnant now. He's lost more than he's won. Still one of my favorites on this roster, but I just don't give a shit about Jericho. And I I used to be the biggest Jericho fan. I just didn't find anything appealing in this match other than the fact that Dean brought out the thumbtacks and Jericho got blasted with the thumbtacks. That was, to me, the only thing in this match that fucking meant anything was seeing Jericho covered in thumbtacks. And, of course, he hits the dirty deeds and gets the pin on Jericho, and Dean Ambrose wins this match. Other than that, it was forgettable. There wasn't really anything in this match other than the thumbtacks that made it exciting or worth seeing. See, I completely agree. And I agree with what you said about Jericho. And I just want to clarify my feelings. It's not Jericho's fault. He's doing what they're booking him to do. And I do have to give him credit because Jericho is a guy, folks, who when they, you know, pimped out the thumbtack spot to him, could have said, fuck yourself. I'm not doing that. He could have easily said that. So I will give the guy credit for for taking that bump because, folks, I've stepped on one thumbtack. And it's one of the worst feelings in the world. And to see this guy and to see that truly disgusting and revolting meme where it says, so you think wrestling's fake. And they show that scene in the back where they're pulling these things out of the guy's fucking back. And, I mean, he's got these tiny holes all over me. Fuck that, man. You couldn't pay me enough. You know, but so I will give kudos to Jericho. But I just think in a way that match was unfair to Jericho, too, because that bump should have been 
saved for someone who he could have elevated more. Because like you said, win or loss, the thumbtack spot was cool, but did it really elevate Dean Ambrose to another level? No, it didn't. I mean, thank God he, he actually won because I thought Ambrose was going to end up taking the thumbtack bump. Me too, yeah. Because, you know, normally, like, especially Mick Foley matches, when Mick Foley brings out the thumbtacks, he takes the fucking plunge into the tax. It's usually not his opponent. It's usually him. And I thought, oh, they're setting this up. Jericho is going to win because, once again, Ambrose did something stupid. But they went the other way, and Jericho, like a man, took it, covered in thumbtacks. I, I do like the, the one... <laughs> The one, the one part of the match where Dean has a fucking thumbtack in his elbow, and he looks like he's dying, like he just got fucking killed off on Game of Thrones or something. He's selling the damn thumbtack. He's like, oh. It hurts, man. Even one fucking hurts. I mean, Bitch, I'm... you step on a Tic Tac and you're fucked up. I don't even want to hear it. Oh, man. You, ne- you never stepped on a thumbtack barefoot. Fuck oh, I have. Man. I have. I've stepped on a toothpick barefoot that went into my foot before. I know. Ooh. I get it. But what they should have done, if you really want to try to, after that thumbtack bump, Ambrose should have did something where Jericho needed to be carted out, and he's gone for a while. They should have had to put oxygen masks on him and take him the fuck out. Now, if they would have done that, and you have Ambrose in the ring, like, foaming at the mouth, and the announcers sell it like, you know, we never knew he could have gone this fucking far. That might have worked to revamp him a little bit. You know, I think they're almost trying to get, a lot of other people have said this, the Brian Pillman feel with him. But when you looked at fucking Brian Pillman, you actually did get the vibe that this guy would cut your fucking heart out. Well, I just think they've, they've missed a boat with Dean. I mean, you go back even to, um, to the, uh, the show they did back in February, the Roadblock show. And it was Dean Ambrose versus Triple H. There was no one hotter in the company than Dean Ambrose at that point. They were so behind him beating Triple H for that title. And then they steamroll him into a feud with Brock Lesnar where Brock Lesnar punks him out every chance he gets. And then they have this match at WrestleMania that's not even a wrestling match. It's a fucking no-holds-barred street fight where weapons can be used and everything else. And I'm going to say this now. In a one-on-one match, Brock Lesnar would kill Dean Ambrose. But when you gave Dean Ambrose the equalizers, the weapons, he should have come out of that fucking match the winner. I know people don't want to think Brock should ever lose to anybody. But you know what? Dean could have could have gotten the win, you know, via the use of some sort of a weapon and gotten a rub off of that. But instead, Brock killed him in, in, in very fucking quick fashion. That match didn't even last that long. It was very underwhelming, and I'm a huge Brock fan, but I think that Brock shouldn't have fucking won there. But, you know, it is what it is. They have done more to damage Dean Ambrose than they have to fucking elevate him at this point. Oh, I agree. I mean, you know, the whole thing with Brock is I think they think wrestling fans are stupid. Look, I don't care if the big show shows up at my door. If I manage to freaking hit him in the forehead with a freaking two-by-four with a nail in it, motherfucker's going to go down. Okay, size doesn't always matter when you have weapons. Now, yeah, one-on-one, there probably aren't too many people on the planet that Brock couldn't kill. But if you take a baseball bat and you break it over the motherfucker's head, even Brock's going to go down. He's got to sell that, and fans would have understood. Yeah, all right, Paul Heyman could have bitched all he want. You know, uh, Dean Ambrose had to use this and that to beat my client and, and all this, but... 
it would have really elevated him because it still would have been a win over Brock Lesnar, no matter how how it would have went down. Well, do you see Brock Lesnar anywhere? Yeah, at home, fishing. I think I think I saw him today catching butterflies in the park. I'm just saying you haven't seen him on TV since WrestleMania. Oh, TV? Oh, I thought you meant have I seen him? No. No. So, I mean, who did it benefit? It certainly did, didn't benefit Dean Ambrose. I mean, he took a beating like a champ. I mean, if that's the story you want to play, oh, this guy could take a beating. This guy could take a loss like nobody else. Well, I mean, if that's the story that you're trying to get across, then, hey, Dean Ambrose is the man. We got to do, someone needs to take that old classic song, Have You Seen Her, and do, and do it for Brock Lesnar. You know, and just change it to Have You Seen Him or Have You Seen Brock. It would be so great to do that. Well, it's One something. One ago today, I was happy as a lark. But now I go for walks because I watch Raw and I don't see Brock. <laughs> I just, I'd love to do something like that. Well, you know, you got free time on your hands, buddy. You go for it. Um, our next match on the card was uh, <clears throat> the women's championship, Charlotte retaining against uh, Natty Neidhart, who um, was not accompanied by anybody, and Ric Flair was banned from ringside. If Rick was to appear, Charlotte would have lost the title. She would have lost the match. And, uh, you know, this was a decent match starting off. I was really into it. And then the dumbest thing in the fucking world happened. Ric Flair's music played, and Dana Brooke came out dressed like the nature boy. Didn't look a goddamn thing like him. This caused Natalia to bitch the referee that she just won the match because Ric Flair's coming down, which allowed uh, Charlotte to basically take over and beat Natalia for being stupid. You know, they have booked her so shitty. You know, they've had, what, three, four matches now? And she hasn't won any of them? They've literally run roughshod. My biggest problem here is that they should have had fucking Natty beat her. Uh, what was it? At the the last show, three weeks ago. And then she could have lost the title to Charlotte here at Extreme Rules. But instead... Natty, once again, is fodder for whoever's the champion or whatever woman they want to be on top. Four fucking matches, and she lost every goddamn one of them. Or, excuse me, she did win one because, what was it? It wasn't by pinfall, though. It was by disqualification. Yeah, I think uh, because of flair, she got disqualified. But, like, you know, you you had Brett in her corner. Why wasn't why wasn't that enough to help her win that title? If 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 if, if for anything else, for a night, for three weeks, whatever. What was the point of having Brett there? Oh wait, so we could screw him over again, and remind him that they screwed him over again. It just boggles my fucking mind. I almost think that anybody remotely related to the Hearts is never going to get over there. You know, I almost, I do believe a lot of people say where Vince is slightly psychotic. I do. Where he just can't get, you know, over shit, okay? Yeah, we get it, man. You screwed the guy over. Do you have to remind us every time a heart's in the ring? It's so fucking stupid. You know, even the whole thing with Sting losing to Triple H at his first WrestleMania. What did Triple H need that win for? But no, goddammit, I got to remind you every so often that I won the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, we fucking know. 
And that's that's all that was. I mean, you know, I, I hear that Sting, you know, was willing to put Triple H over. It should have been a I'm willing to put you over. Triple H should have been like, you know what, man, I'll put you over. Because Sting basically won one match in his entire career with WWE, and that was a fucking tag match on fucking Raw. Like, he had a singles match that turned into a tag match. So he had three matches in his entire WWE career. First one being WrestleMania, lost. Then he fucking won the one tag match. Then he had the match with Seth Rollins, where he basically suffered a career-ending injury. (laughs) It just... It boggles my fucking mind, man. It really does. Yeah, but I think that's the whole thing that's going on with Natalia. You know, it's just, you know, I wanna, don't forget, this is the girl they gave a farting gimmick to. I mean, come on, really? I mean, one of the most, if not the most talented woman you've got there, and you haven't done shit with her in years. I, I mean, think I think in-ring, Natalia is probably one of the best girls that they have. However, her promo skills have never been good. I mean, you know, I, I love Natty to death, but she's not the greatest talker. And she's she's not the greatest actress either, but in ring she gets it done. But when she has to do stupid fucking scripted shit where she has to relinquish a hold because music plays or because Ric Flair jumps on the apron, it just makes her look stupid. And, you know, I I mean, kudos to Charlotte. She's been champion, a champion now for going on close to a year. Uh, Well, not quite a year. I think she won the Divas title from Nikki Bella at Night of Champions last year, which I think was in September. And here it is, what, going into June, and she's been women's champion since WrestleMania. But she's been a nonstop champion since September. It wouldn't have hurt her to fucking drop the belt for three weeks. No, no, I don't think so at all. But after what happened on Raw, I mean, I was like, the fuck? I mean, we'll get into that later i guess Brief. but but dana brooke basically uh aligned herself with charlotte and and nature boy rick flair and that's basically what caused natalia to to lose here to she tapped out to the figure eight by charlotte and still women's champion charlotte yeah i didn't like the way it went down i mean it's just it, the match was good but i i thought that whole thing was stupid yeah i thought the match was fine up until the finish and then you know it was like all that hard work those girls put in boom stupid you know, whatever. So next up, we have the uh, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship title match, which is Roman Reigns defending against AJ Styles. And I'm going to say this now. I thought AJ Styles has made Roman Reigns look like a fucking beast the last couple of months, the feud that they've had going on. Um, for those of you that chant Roman can't wrestle, you're fucking stupid as fuck. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Seriously. You don't have to like the guy, but you can't say that he's not a, he's not someone who can't wrestle because he fucking does just fine. I think AJ really helped make him look strong. Pardon the pun. I agree. Oh, I agree. But, you know, I thought AJ looked like a million bucks in this, too. Um, this match was just, you know, pardon the pun, phenomenal. My biggest problem, however, is that we are seeing... Roman is guilty of this, but AJ is notorious for this. We're seeing that phenomenal forearm at least five times a match. And I think it, it, it's, it, it's getting a bit much. We saw the Styles clash, I think, at least twice. And he actually used a steel chair with the Styles clash, and Roman kicked out. And I'm kind of getting sick of seeing people kick out of finishers again and again and again and again. And I don't know. I, I like the phenomenal forearm for AJ. I do. However, it might be time to look for a new finish because every time he goes for this move, 
he fucking loses. This is the third straight match that I've seen him lose going for that that forearm. You go back to WrestleMania with him and Jericho. How did he lose to Jericho? He went for the phenomenal forearm, and Jericho hit him with a code breaker. He yeah, lost it's like Ric Flair going to the top rope shit. Yeah, exactly. You know, we we saw it last month at Payback with um, with Roman and AJ, where you know he went for the phenomenal forearm, missed, and then Roman hit him with that spear. And then we saw it again here tonight. You know, a week ago, he went for it, and Roman hit him in midair with a spear and pinned him one, two, three. Now, to AJ's credit, there was a point where he had the match won, but Jimmy Uso pulled him off. Yeah, and that was some heelish shit. I mean, you know, really? It's not like AJ was, well, you can't cheat in this type of match, but yeah. You know, and if you really want Roman to be a babyface, he should have bitched to, to, who was it, Jimmy or Jay, whichever. Well, but 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 in Roman's defense, they came out to even the odds because you had Anderson Gallows who had interfered on AJ's behalf as well. True, true. You make a good point, true. But, I mean, I said this on, on the Rewind the other night. I just am amazed at, like, the chemistry. Like, for two guys who, to my knowledge, before this never met, I mean, Roman and freaking AJ, they just... I don't know why. They just work great together. I know a lot of it's probably AJ, but it pisses me off. Like I, like you said, man, you want to chant, you suck. You want to chant, we don't like you, fine. But I think it, like that's something that really must hurt these guys. Don't say the motherfucker can't wrestle. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to like him, but, you know, <laughs> don't be insulting. I would say that Roman Reigns, at this stage in his career, is probably a better wrestler than, say, John Cena was a uh, fucking six months into his run as world champion. I think John Cena did a lot of learning after he had that match with Shawn Michaels in 07, and that he started to become a much better worker. I think Roman is at the point where he's a good worker. He just doesn't have the fan response. He doesn't have people behind him. I mean, you know, he's been wrestling now for, what, three, four, five years? And, you know, you go back and watch his stuff with The Shield, and I think he was the weakest member of the fucking Shield. But I think he's come into his own. And especially in the last year, his matches have gotten better. And he's had good talent to work with to help him get better. But I don't think by any means the guy can't wrestle. I just think that he's in the, he's the wrong guy right now in the position that he is. He should be a fucking top heel in the company, not the baby face. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll have to we'll have to see where this goes. I mean, this whole Bullet Club thing, it's like, eh. I don't know. It's not as over with me as it is with everyone else. I'm like, I think that someone, someone, I don't remember what show or where I read it, called them the Blew It Club. And I think they did. They blew it with these guys. I think it's a slow burn. I think that uh, they really haven't gotten to the point where they're going to be a big deal yet. Um, you know, but before we move on, letter grade for the pay-per-view, what, what did you think of it? I mean, like I said, I thought it was an okay show. I give it a straight up B. I think we can agree on that. I did. I didn't think it was an A plus show, and uh, I found it to be a B show. Um, again, two really solid matches. The main event, Roman and AJ, and the uh, the Fatal Four Way Intercontinental match, to me, were the two best matches of the night. Again, it's hard for me to pick which one I thought was better, uh, but I'll go with a B. I, I thought it was a it was a decent show. It just 
there wasn't a lot that was memorable about it aside from those two matches and the fact that once again they made Natty look like an idiot. You know, I mean, there there wasn't a lot to to really praise in my opinion. It was what it was. I mean, I, that four way match and the main event uh, kind of made up for it for me. So I mean that that saved it. If it weren't for those two matches, I probably would have, you know, given it a lower grade. But it it was good. It was a straight up B. Well, that being said, I think we're going to take our first break of the evening. When we come back, we're going to run down uh, some news, maybe discuss some of the the big things that happened this week on Raw and where things are going. Uh, you know, but yeah, we're going to talk about uh, some news, the brand split, Cody Rhodes. Lots of news, heavy stuff coming up in this next segment. But uh, with that being said, you're listening to Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. What's up? This is Phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to Unplugged on the SNS Radio Network. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Are you looking for the latest wrestling news? Well, then you should check out www.wrestling-online.com. Sign up for the newsletter. It's been around for 16 years. It's one of the longest running newsletters on the internet today. comes right to your inbox three to four times a week, depending on how busy the news week is. Want that access on your phone? They also have mobile apps for your iOS, Apple, and BlackBerry. The archives of all the Unplugged shows, as well as columns. You can also follow WrestlingOnline.com on Twitter, at WrestlingOnline. Or check them out on Facebook, www.facebook slash WrestlingOnline. It's that simple. Wrestling-Online.com is the official news source of the SNS Radio Network. And perhaps you should make it your official news source as well. Once again, that's www.wrestling-online.com.
Welcome back to Unplugged with Bronxzilla, Tony J. Marabella, and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, on the SNS Radio Network. You know, going over the SNS Facebook page the last couple of days, I, I kind of feel like I might be the king of wishful thinking in the fact that I think this brand split could be a good thing. Um, I think that there's a lot of talent coming up in NXT uh, with guys like Seth Rollins returning from injury. And, you know... I guess maybe you could call me the king of wishful thinking because I think this might be the best move going forward for the WWE right now. I don't because I think it'll work if they do it right. The problem is I don't have the confidence that they will. And you know what? You have a valid argument there because when you go back and you look at the brand split they did previously, it wasn't handled the best way. There were there were some good moments in that brand split. There was a time I thought SmackDown was the best show that they had. When Heyman was writing, was the general manager, and you had the SmackDown 6, um, you really, in my opinion, had a much better show, and, and I thought that SmackDown was a superior product. However, then it became just a regular, regulated B show. And I think if... They really put the effort into making Raw and SmackDown two separate brands that are different. In other words, they're not the same thing two nights a week. You know, Raw is a different product. SmackDown is a different product. I think it could work. And I think one of the biggest things that's going to help make it work is that both Raw and SmackDown are now on the USA Network. So before you had them on different networks. And USA is very crucial as to, you know, who was on Raw because that was that was the flagship show. Now that you have both shows on the USA Network, as long as it's on the same network, I don't see it really being a problem. I think that in order for the brand split to work, you have to have um, not all your A talent on one show and your B talent on the other. You literally have to have them intermingled, which means I don't think John Cena and Roman Reigns should be on one show. I think one should be on SmackDown, one should be on Raw. I don't think Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose should be on one show. Seth should be on one, and Dean should be on the other. Um, I just, you literally have to intermingle the talent. You can't have all the top superstars on one brand and leave everybody else out on the other one. Now, whether that happens, I don't know. But I guess we're just going to have to take a wait-and-see approach. I just think, personally, the brand split could work if given the right situation. No, and that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, that that was the biggest problem before, where you had, like... And and the other thing that pissed me off, too, was you had all the B players on SmackDown, but then the one or two big players you did have on SmackDown, like at the time, Del Rio, and they were on Raw every fucking week. You can't do that. 
And see, I, I think that's exactly what they have to do. They have to make it to where they are separate brands. You can't have guys intermingle. That's why when I'm looking on the Facebook page, people are like, oh, well, I, I think that you should keep the world title exclusive to both brands. No, you can't. And you and I are going to argue about this because you want them to be separate. You want them to be separate entities functioning under the WWE banner. I mean, let's be honest. It's going to be Steph versus Shane here. I don't know who's getting what or how they're doing it, but you literally want them to be competing against each other. There's not outside companies. It's Raw versus SmackDown. My fucking brand is better than your fucking brand. You don't want the intermingling. You don't want a champion to go to both shows. So you're going to have to separate those belts or make a separate world title for the other brand. Same with the tag team titles. You've got enough tag teams that you can make a go with two successful fucking ones. I don't think you have enough women to have two women's divisions, so you might have to make the women exclusive to one show. I don't know how you do this. Or you do have you know, two separate women's titles. I don't know. You know, I liked back in the day when Raw had women and SmackDown had cruiserweights and you had an exciting cruiserweight division. I don't know what they're doing, but I think that if you want this to be two separate brands and you are going to have a brand split, you have to separate the titles. You can't have your champions float from show to show because if you do that, they're intermingling. Yeah, I see your point, but I still don't like the idea of having two titles because even though we talk about it being it's it's two separate brands, but not two separate companies. And I think that it's always been just I'm old school this way. There should be this is the best guy in our company under the WWE umbrella. This guy who's holding the belt, whether it's Raw, whether it's SmackDown, whether it's NXT, he is the world heavyweight champion and i think i didn't like when they had two belts i i would keep i i understand what you're saying but i would still keep just one one champion i keep one world champion one set of tag champs that's it and one women's champion and then maybe the ic belt and the u.s belt you can make brand exclusive that's how i do it and and that will fall apart that will not work because, once again, you're going to have Roman Reigns and guys like John Cena dominate the world title pitcher, and guys like Dolph Ziggler, who should be there, guys like an AJ Styles, who should be there, guys like Kevin Owens, who someday should be there, not get their spot as a world champion because it's going to be dominated by certain people. I mean, again, I advocated for them to unify the titles because, to me, the brand split was dead years ago the way they did it. I mean, it stopped being a legitimate brand split a long time ago. Oh, yeah. If they go back into where it is an exclusive, and I'm saying you go full tilt because with the network, you can have an exclusive SmackDown fucking show once a month. I don't think you need a Raw and a SmackDown once a month. You know, go back to how they initially did the brand split, and I thought that that worked because you literally had a SmackDown pay-per-view. You had a Raw pay-per-view. You know, and say at SummerSlam, you have a joint show where both brands have their own matches. I just think that if you're going to do this, you have to separate and you have to have their own distinct rosters, their own distinct storylines. You cannot have them intermingle. You cannot have them merge because if you do, there's no sense in doing a brand split. 
Yeah, but you also can't have fighting. See, see, here's maybe why I'm so against the two titles. Because if you remember, which we both agree 100%, the former brand split was a fucking failure. But that World Heavyweight Championship, the big belt on SmackDown, it always felt... And maybe you're right because it, it was intermingled. It always felt so second to the point where it became like the IC belt. It didn't feel towards the end like a world title. Well, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off there, and and I'll I'll tell you why. Because when they first debuted that belt, that was the belt they put on Raw. If you remember, Brock was the champion, and he was the WWE champion, and so he went to SmackDown and became exclusive to SmackDown. So Eric Bischoff presented Triple H with the World Heavyweight Championship. And so Raw was your supposed to be your, your top brand, and that was the World Heavyweight title. And they've intermingled those, and they changed them around in the draft. But at one point in time, the WWE title, when it was run with, with, uh, with Brock as champion and you know Heyman was writing the stories, SmackDown was the better show. Then after a while, Raw became the better show, and SmackDown became the B-show. And you ended up with the World Heavyweight Championship over on SmackDown. That was after Batista won it. And it became a B-title, a secondary thing. You cannot look at it as being a secondary belt. It's going to have to be Raw as a company versus SmackDown as a company under WWE as the company that fucking funds both. That has to be how it works. It has to be Stephanie competing against Shane. I have the better talent. I have the better roster. I have this better than you. And Shane doing the same thing. You have to, it, They're basically creating competition for themselves is what they're doing. Look at the rosters that they have right now. Look at the guys in NXT that they've acquired. Samoa Joe should be a top pick in the draft for one of these two brands and should be a top fucking guy. As a baby face or a fuck it. Right now, he's the top heel in NXT. And I think you move Samoa Joe to one of those top brands, he's automatically a top guy in that company, whichever brand he's in. You got Nakamura, who within the next six months to a year is going to be a top guy on one of these shows, whether it's Raw or SmackDown. You've got Austin Aries right now who's there. They've picked up a lot of talent, and they're aggressively looking for talent to fill NXT so that at some point they can be brought up to the main roster on either a Raw or a SmackDown. Right now, the talent is deep in this company, and I would say it's deeper than it's been in a long fucking time. So with USA being the uh, the network that's going to air both Raw and SmackDown, that's a win. It's not two, com- you know, two separate networks where Raw will get the better rating and SmackDown don't because it's not in as many homes or vice versa. You see what I'm saying? So I think that you literally have the opportunity right now. It's never been this good to have a brand split. And I was all for ending the brand split a couple of years ago when they did it because they were still intermingling. You literally have to fucking, if you're going to do this and you're going to do it right, you have to fucking cut them off. The only time they intermingle is at shows like SummerSlam or Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. That's it. Let me throw a curveball your way. What do you think of this thing that the next NXT live event is going to be called The End or something like that? Okay, let me explain that to you. It's called that because it's the end of the feud between Samoa Joe and Finn Balor. That's it. This is the final match. That's why it's called The End. See, a lot of people in the IWC are going nuts because they think 
that somehow NXT, like maybe NXT will become SmackDown no, or they're going to no. be intermingled or something like that. But see, that, that would be cutting your legs out from underneath you. That'd be stupid. Well, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. You know, for the first time ever at NXT, they're going to have a cage match between Joe and, and Finn Balor for the title. And it's the end of their rivalry because chances are it's either the last show that Samoa Joe is going to work under the NXT banner or it's the last show that Finn Balor is going to work under the NXT banner because one of those two guys is going to the main roster. This is it. Interesting. You know, as far as the... I, I still don't like doing two titles, but if they do, I hope they don't bring back the big belt. I mean, I no, it's I, done. Something. The big gold belt's done. If if they bring a title in, it's going to be a a completely separate belt. They're not bringing the big gold back. I've seen rumors it might be a variation of the winged eagle, but I can't confirm them. It's not an official news story, but the, I would be down with that. I've heard rumors that it's going to be just like the the uh, the world heavyweight championship for Raw, only it's going to have blue on it for SmackDown. Yeah, and it sucks that you can't make the Raw title red because the women's title's red. So I think that'll stay black the way it is now. Yeah, and maybe the same belt but with a blue background. Make them, if you make them similar enough. Here's the thing. I'm not disagreeing with you on the titles mainly because I'm totally against it. It's just that I I don't have faith. I think they're going to fuck it up. If they do it the way you say... You want it done, I'll I'll be fine with it. But I just know them, and I know Vince's ego, and Vince has this ego that, I mean, that was kind of a shoot when he said a few months back when Shane showed up, whoever controls Raw controls the WWE. Well, why don't we just whip out the cock and piss all over SmackDown? But that's you're missing the point. You're completely missing the point by saying that. I get what you're saying. At that point in time, whoever controlled Raw did control the WWE because SmackDown is, right now, and was the fucking, oh, we got a couple matches here. But for the most part, we're recapping what happened on Raw. Now, yeah, they just moved USA over to the, to the network, or they just moved SmackDown to USA this past year, okay? Now, they're going to do a brand split. Both shows are going to be on USA. It's going to be brand specific. Raw is its own entity. SmackDown is its own entity. It has its own roster. It has its own storylines. Completely different scenario, man. You've got a power struggle from the McMahon kids trying to take control of the company. So Vince is going to split shit up and have his kids fucking run it. Remember what he said to to them when Shane came out? He wants to see them eviscerate each other. He wants to see blood. He wants to see competition. Well, that's what he's going to give us, folks. We're going to have competition because, let's face it, TNA is not competition. They haven't been for fucking ever. They've never really been competition. They've just been an alternative. And now they're an alternative that completely fucking sucks. See, what I'm not really – what I keep forgetting is the last time we had this brand split, I mean, if you remember, and you guys covered this as soon as it was over on on Wrestling News Live, and I remember you guys almost said there was a conspiracy where – Remember that night when we got trolled? Cena gets drafted to SmackDown. Everyone's like, oh, shit, are you fucking kidding me? Really? And then at like 11 p.m., he gets drafted back to Raw. And you guys had said, and it was almost like the USA Network called up Vince McMahon and screamed in his ear, what the fuck are you doing? Because at that time, SmackDown was on a different station. But now USA won't give a fuck about things like that because both shows are on their station. So it doesn't matter if you put the, you know, some top guys on SmackDown. 
because it's not competition. Any way you look at it, USA gets ratings. I also don't like the fact that Raw is going to still be three hours and SmackDown is going to be two. Not that I'm saying I want SmackDown to be two or SmackDown to be three hours because I don't. Um, but I think Raw should be shortened to two hours. And I think maybe you fill it with, with some other content if you want a three-hour block. But what I think they need to do is uh, I think both shows should be two hours to make it even. I don't think it's fair that one show gets to be three hours and one show gets to be two. But I think that Raw is going to remain the sports entertainment aspect. And I think SmackDown is going to be the wrestling-heavy show. So, you know, I mean, depending on who gets drafted to what, I don't know that I want to watch five hours of wrestling you know, or really for me, it's six because I watch NXT every week. I don't know that I want to watch six hours of wrestling. So I'm going to I'm going to look at who's on what roster and I'm probably going to, you know, pick a side and fucking watch it. I don't know. I mean, chances are maybe I will watch both, but I'm just really interested to see what they're going to do here. I think this opens up so many possibilities for a guy like a Dean Ambrose, a guy like an AJ Styles, a guy like a Cesaro to really become a player on their own specific brand. Um, you know, I mean, again, I, I think this helps the talent. I think a guy like Dolph Ziggler can stop being the fucking jobber to the stars and might be able to have a decent run with a mid-card title or maybe even at some point get elevated back to a fucking world title on one of these brands. So, I mean, this is good for a lot of the mid-card guys like a Rusev who has suffered greatly, a guy like Bray Wyatt, who's not top of the card. You know, this gives these guys an opportunity, whatever brand they land on, to be a player, to be something, as opposed to being fodder. I have one positive and one negative. My negative is I kind of wish they would have picked another night other than Tuesday because I just feel it's too close together. You know, you, you have Raw, and then the next night you have SmackDown. Then you go five days with nothing or six days with nothing. I'm not sure. I, I'm assuming they pick Tuesday so that they'll be able to be closer, you know, in the same towns. But if you do truly make it two separate companies, then what does it matter? You know, the rosters don't have to travel together anymore. So I wish they would have picked another night. But the one positive I do take out of this is one thing will die. And it's one thing that has helped, I think, eviscerate SmackDown for the past, oh, I don't know how many years, the spoilers will be gone because it's a live show. You won't be able to tune in anymore on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night and read the results and say, eh, I really don't need to watch SmackDown. Now, if you want to see what's going to happen, you're going to have to watch it. So going live, thumbs up to them. That is absolutely a great idea. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, you're you're eliminating a lot of fucking spoilers getting out there, so you'll have surprises. I almost think it's it's, you know, in a sense going to be very exciting to see a, a brand split, you know, depending on how they do the draft. I, I'm not a big fan of the way they do matches and then, oh, you announce a draft pick. I, I was never a big fan of it. I liked how they in initially did the draft where, you know, you had the guys on the podium and you had the guys sitting in back and, you know, it was this guy's turn. It was this guy's turn. I hope they do something different, you know, um, as far as this draft lottery they're going to do. And I think the draft lottery should be annual. I think that every year you have a draft lottery, so things change. So maybe John Cena is your top guy on SmackDown. And, you know, in a year he gets drafted back to Raw, and that makes somebody on SmackDown able to step up. And you get somebody on Raw that was doing well, and now they take that momentum with them to SmackDown. I mean, you know what? The draft and the brand split is not a bad idea. 
I just think they handled it poorly last time. And then when it went to where they were just intermingling again, there was no reason to have a, have a brand split. If you really want to go full tilt and get as much as you can out of your superstars, this is the way to go. Here's something else I do. The problem is I don't think USA will ever let this happen. Or maybe they'll have no choice. But here's the deal. I'm assuming the draft is going to be on Raw, right? Possibly, yeah. Here's what I'd do. I'd announce that. The draft is going to be on Raw. This is after you determine who's going to run what. Let's say Shane gets smacked down. Shane says, hey, wait a minute. And this will really help to separate the brands. Why the hell's the draft got to be on Raw? That's not right. Why can't the draft be on SmackDown? They go back and forth. And finally, it's decided what I would do is make the draft a network exclusive. The entire draft is done on the network, separate from Raw, separate from SmackDown. And that would draw some subscribers to the goddamn network because you know people are going to want to see this draft. If USA would allow that, I think that would be a really great way to say, hey, they are serious. You know, Stephanie and Shane are arguing about that it's not fair. The draft is on Raw. So, okay, to come to a compromise, we're going to do it as a network special. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I hear you, but I think that I think if you do that, then USA misses out on some ratings because I think people will tune into Raw just to see the draft, just to see how things are going to shape out. Um, you know, you could even do a two-night draft. You could start it on Raw and finish it on SmackDown. That'd be, that would work. Vince says, okay, 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 here's what we'll do. We'll split it up. We're going to have half of the draft on Raw, and we're going to have half of the draft on SmackDown. Yeah, that's probably a little better than my idea. This way, USA, that'll work. If they did that, I'd be fine with it. But, I mean, you know, our ideas are what they are. We'll see, you know, the execution, how they're going to do this. This is happening on July 19th, I think, is when this thing's supposed to go into effect. Um, you know, again, maybe I'm the king of wishful thinking. I don't know. I, I just I want to believe this is going to be a good thing for guys like Kevin Owens and guys like AJ Styles and guys like Dean Ambrose and a guy like Cesaro. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is going to be a positive move, especially for guys coming up from NXT like Nakamura and Samoa Joe, uh, you know, even a Finn Balor. So who knows what, what they're going to do or how they're going to do it. But, you know, I think if they do it the right way, and it is brand separate, and it is exclusive titles for both brands, I think it'll work. We'll see. I think someone wrote, an, it wasn't an article, but someone had wrote it, calculated how it would work if they were absolutely, completely exclusive the way you want it, and it would work out to a lot of the boys having an extra day off the road. So if, they, if that happens too, that, that's another good thing, especially with injuries and shit. You know, because guys won't have to be on both shows. They won't have to do Raw and then show up for a taping less than 24 hours later. Exactly. It could work. You know what? I'll keep up. I'll, I'll, I'll look at my glass here of Diet Pepsi and I'll, I'll say it's half full. I'll keep, a, I'll keep an optimistic mind. I just hope that they don't fuck it up. Because this could be really bust, you know, Feast or famine, it could be one or the other. Let's see what they do. I think now, with the talent pool they have, they can make both shows pretty damn even. I think so, too. Um, let's kind of change the focus 
was there anything really that of, of note that happened this week on Raw? I mean, the only thing I thought, there were two things that I thought were noteworthy. Well, three. One of them being the fact that AJ basically ended his relationship with Anderson and Gallows, which I'm kind of torn between because I would have much rather seen, like at a pay-per-view, them bring up Finn Balor and him be the leader of the the Bullet Club or the Balor Club or whatever the fuck they want to call this thing, the club, and them turn on AJ that would have led to a compelling storyline where AJ actually had something to do after this feud with Roman. You know, maybe Finn Balor shows up and, and would have helped cost AJ the match, and that would have led to a separation. I just don't like the way that they just, you know, he basically said, you know what, we're still friends, I'm going to do me, you do you. You know, and they had the blow up. I didn't like that. I don't know where AJ goes from here, and I'm a little concerned. He's lost so many matches. I mean, he, he's he's in a good spot, obviously. But I just kind of feel like they've taken him down a peg, and they really got to build him back up. Even Steve Austin this past week on his podcast uh, made the comment that AJ's got to start winning matches and be the superstar that he should be. And I agree. I don't agree with Austin on a lot of things, but I, I kind of agree with him. I, I think that they really need to start giving AJ some wins here. And why didn't Anderson and Gallows beat the shit out of him after that? Well, who knows where that's going, but I really didn't like the way that ended. Got to be honest. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. It was like, eh, okay. I mean, you know, I know that uh, that, this is the case of, again, moving a storyline too quick. This Bullet Club shit should have had a lot slower burn. I think they brought these guys in very abruptly, and it just went, it all feels like it went too quick. It's, it feels like a blur to me. They could have dragged this out a little longer. Is he with them? Is he against them? You know. Yep. And, and you know, it is what it is. We'll, we'll see where we'll, we'll see where it goes, or where AJ, where AJ lands. But uh, right now, it just kind of seems like there's not really a direction. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. The other thing, one of the other things that I wanted to talk about was the return of Enzo. So happy to see Enzo back. Uh, but I got to say, Cass has been holding down the fort, man. Like, he's been doing a great job on his own. And I think you and I have talked about this. I don't know, like, how far these two are going to go. I- I'm assuming that at some point they're going to get the tag titles and they're going to have a nice run with them. But Vince McMahon has the biggest fucking boner right now for Cass. I mean, he looks at that guy and sees that he's seven feet tall. Uh, he's not horrible on a microphone. He's not great. Oh, yeah, seven foot. Oh. But, you know, he, he sees the size of this guy. And I think I think Cass might someday be a breakout superstar. I don't think he's ready for main events right now. But I tell you what, if if there ever comes a day where they break up the tag team, I think Enzo would be great as his manager and his mouthpiece. And I think Carmella would be fantastic in a valet role for him. And maybe that would be, you know, a great thing for all three of them. But I want to see how this plays out. I was just so happy to see Enzo back. I, I I think he's charismatic as fuck. Love that guy. I've loved him ever since I started watching him on NXT. And I'm glad that he's back from injury, and I hope that he can stay injury-free and have a nice little career. Yeah, he's very unique on the mic. I mean, someone on our group even compared him to Randy Savage. I don't know if I'd go that I, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. But he's very unique, and he's... I don't think much is scripted for this guy. I think he just pretty much gets carte blanche to say what he wants. Smack talk a Skywalker. 
And the fans love these guys. That's the amazing thing. I mean, I think, but you're right. I think Vince looks at the big cast and he's like, oh, yeah, he's seven foot tall and natural. Oh, Linda, get me the get me the cream. I mean, I just, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, again, I'm a big fan of both of these guys. I just think, I think Cass needs to put on about 20 pounds of muscle. And he'll be fucking in, impenetrable. But uh, I, I think that the two of them together um, are really good. You know, and I, I even said this to Harmony. I said, if you could take the size of Cass and give him the mic skills of Enzo, you'd have one complete badass wrestler. Yeah, and I don't want to see anything happen to Enzo where he can't wrestle, but... I think this kid, even if one day he decides he, his career in the ring isn't that long, he'll be in the business for years to come because he can just, that mouth is enough. He can do anything. He can be a manager. You could have him as a commentator. I mean, I think he's just, he, he's got it. He's a natural, man. Not, there's nothing, you know, scripted or practiced. He's just a fucking natural. And there's few guys like that nowadays. I agree. The other point of contention I want to talk about, uh, I actually really enjoyed, was the fact that Charlotte basically turned on her dad and kicked his ass to the curb. And I read so many different complaints from people. Um, You know, one person in particular that has a radio show that's on Sunday nights, typically after pay-per-views, thought that turning on Ric Flair should have made her baby face. And I don't get that. I, I The way that she did it was such a fucking classic, you know, I don't need you anymore. I have Dana Brooke, you know. I, I felt like there was a lot of emotion with this promo. I mean, it, it, it skipped around a bit, and there were parts where she kind of botched it a little bit. However, Harmony and I both thought that there was a lot of truth to what she said about Rick not being there with her growing up. And, you know, some of the best promos and some of the best shoots come from, you know, real-life situations. I think that they've been needing to separate her from her dad for a long time. And this was a great way to do it because everybody loves Nature Boy Ric Flair. So if they do bring Nature Boy back on TV, he has, he has that instant babyface reaction. And it just made Charlotte look like a total bitch to fucking turn on her dad do you know how much it would kill me if my kids did that to me like i mean such great heel heat there and you know i'm sure that there's not any you know hard feelings between the two and i'm sure that you know rick is proud of her for being able to do it but i thought it was great heel heat for her and and a great moment for her because now she is the queen bitch of the whole fucking company now like she is the one that you want to beat. You want to see people beat her ass now. So I thought it was fantastic heel heat. I don't understand why people thought it was was horrible or that Ric Flair should be, you know, should be the heel and Charlotte should be the baby. I, I don't get that logic, quite honestly. No, that wouldn't make sense. Rick is the old man who everybody fucking loves. Regardless of how much he might fuck up, you, you just, you love Ric Flair. There's something about him. And of course, I mean, of course, she's going to be the heel in this. And Rick sold it like a million bucks. Got to give him credit. You know, here's when have you ever seen Ric Flair broken like that? You know, you go back to the Horseman days. You go back to his history. Whoever broke Ric Flair? Well, his own daughter, you know, saying those words to him. And I'm sure before the promo, Rick told her, listen, just tear into me. You know, don't worry about it. 
tear into me. They might have even practiced it. It was akin to Stephanie slapping Linda in the face. Oh, that's still one of the best moments of Raw ever. And, of course, Stephanie was hysterical crying in the back because she really, you know, felt bad about doing it. But they worked it. You know, of course, I, I think maybe these are things she already discussed with Rick and they're cool. But he said, hey, bring that out in the promo. You know, say how you felt when I wasn't there as, as when you were a kid because I was on the road. Say shit like that. And I think it worked out fine. I almost think what I'd love to see is we go a few months Charlotte's on top of the world and then Ric Flair's music hits and he has some female wrestler on his arm to say, hey, you know, I didn't forget what you did. This is my girl now. I don't know who that could be. And maybe that could start a feud between Charlotte and someone else. Well, it is possible. You know, I I listened to the rewind this week and uh, you guys got to get a fact checker or something. I don't know. The truth detector ain't getting the job done. But uh, I will say this. Uh, the Four Horsewomen were never officially a stable or faction in NXT. It was just four girls that were friends behind the scenes, and they called themselves the Four Horsewomen. Now, I don't know that Andy is aware of who Dana Brooke is or where she comes from or anything, but she doesn't wrestle anything like fucking Arn Anderson. Uh, yeah, that one confused me a bit, too. The whole stable faction thing, that was on me, too, because, I don't know, I just consider even you know, four people who are friends, they're a stable, a faction. I think that was just a miswording on my part. Yeah, but, they, yeah they, they were they were never officially, if anything, the only faction that ever came of three or four of those girls were Charlotte and Sasha and Becky at, all, at one point in time were all part of a group called the BFFs. But, I remember. Best friends forever. Yeah, yeah they, they were never the, the four horsewomen, obviously. But uh, behind the scenes, that's what they called themselves. Uh, you know, and the only one that's not there right now is Bailey, who's still in NXT. However, that being said, you know, Andy wants to bring up all these four horsewomen references and talks about how Dana Brooke could be Arn Anderson. Well, you know, Tully Blanchard's daughter is in NXT right now and wrestling. Tessa Blanchard... You know, she's she's losing a lot. She's kind of jobbing, but Tessa Blanchard is in NXT right now. And so is Rachel Ellering, the daughter of Paul Ellering. Yeah, I don't I didn't get the Arn Anderson thing either. I mean, so maybe if they wanted to down the road, if they wanted to create a four horsewoman stable on the main roster, it could consist of maybe uh, a Tessa Blanchard and a Rachel Ellering and a Charlotte and maybe Dana Brooke. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who else's daughter is, 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 is uh, you know, other than Natalia. I don't know who else's daughter is, is, is out there. So, but, uh, you know, just food for thought there, Knowles. Who knows? Flair might have another daughter or two floating around out there. That's I think it's bring in. Quite possible. You never know in this day and age. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, I can't really think of anything on Raw that really blew my socks away. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, I think we're done with Raw. Those were the three things that I figured you were going to mention. Yeah. Now, we do have some news to break into, however. And now, it's time for the news. Sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com.
Well, with the current news of the brand split, we have had some departures from the WWE in the last couple of days. Uh, it looks like the WWE has released Adam Rose. I don't know who didn't see that one coming. Uh, of course, in the press release, it says that they released him from his contract after he asked for a release. I kind of have a hard time wrapping my mind around the fact that Adam Rose would willingly ask for a release, considering he has a special needs child at home and probably needs the money. But uh, regardless, Adam Rose has been released from his WWE contract after the recent uh, domestic abuse claims that were raised against him. So sad. There was a time I thought Adam Rose had potential. I love the Adam Rose gimmick when it first debuted in NXT. I really thought the guy was talented as Leo Kruger. I like the stalker gimmick that he was doing. Uh, you know, it, it really is sad to see a talented guy uh, released from the company, but I think WWE did the right thing here because you really can't be associated with uh, a spousal abuser. Um, it is what it is. Well, I mean, I'm of a mind where it's one of those things where I wasn't there, but I understand their point of view. I mean, it's a publicly traded company. You know, it, it sucks for him. You know, I think from what I've heard, it sounds like, it almost has that feel to me. An argument went too far. I mean, at the end of it all, she begged the judge not to issue a restraining order so he can come home. I hope it's not a case where he legit does this on a regular because I do not condone that. I think any guy who puts his hands on a woman is a piece of shit. But I understand them releasing him. I mean, at least because at first it was an indefinite suspension. Now, doesn't that mean you're what does that mean? You're under contract forever? No, it means that you are gone for any length of time. It could be, you know, six months to a year. It could be you may never be back on television again. The sad thing is there was another incident of, of abuse that happened in March that WWE was totally unaware of that didn't make headlines. So this would be the second incident in a short amount of time. And I don't know. Again, I, I wasn't there. I don't know uh, what's going on. But, you know, you'd have to think that his situation with WWE, um, with the, the wellness violation, probably had him stressed out. I'm not making excuses for the guy. I don't believe in, in hitting a woman. And, you know, I don't believe in spousal abuse either. So I, I can't condone what he did. And WWE, I think, made the right call here, regardless. Well, see, that changed my opinion a bit. I was not aware that there was another incident. See, now, when it happens twice, now you've got a real problem. You've got a real problem. And I really hope that, you know, the, the stress and frustration of this release doesn't cause any more hardship for that family as far as, you know, abuse is concerned. You know, maybe he's a guy who needs help. Maybe he can come back in a few years. He's young, you know. Maybe he can come back if, if, you know, shit gets straightened out. But, no, they were absolutely in their right for releasing him. The drugs, I was kind of, okay, maybe it was something he was prescribed. If it was, if it's something you really need, they need to make exceptions. But then when the abuse shit happened, I mean, that, no, I'm totally with uh, with WWE corporate on this one. Another big story that's making the rounds, uh, Cody Rhodes, the former Intercontinental Champion and former Tag Team Champion, asked for his release from the company, and it was granted 24 hours later. Not only did they release Cody Rhodes, but uh, Eden Styles, Cody's wife, has been released from her contract as well after she asked for her release. 
um, Cody Rhodes did put out a, a nice scathing letter in in reason why he left the WWE, which I'm not going to read, but uh, he definitely makes some pretty valid points as to why he left the company. He wanted to basically go back to being Cody Rhodes. He wanted out of the Stardust gimmick, but apparently Vince McMahon is a big fan of the Stardust gimmick and didn't want to see that character end anytime soon. So Cody has asked for his release. It has been granted. His wife is gone from the company as well. All rumors indicate that Goldust is not leaving the company. He's going to stay with the WWE. Um, Cody did post on Twitter today, as a matter of fact, a list of people that he would like to work with uh, after 819 when he is uh, officially able to work after his 90-day no-compete clause. And the list consisted of names like Adam Cole, Kurt Angle, Moose, the Young Bucks, basically a lot of people that are under contract to Ring of Honor, which has led to speculation that Cody Rhodes is on his way possibly to Ring of Honor. Well, two things. First of all, I had read something that if they really want to be pricks, WWE, I think, has may have ownership of the name Cody Rhodes because Rhodes isn't his real last name. No, it's, it's the name that his dad came up with, right? I mean, Dustin Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, Cody Rhodes. However, he could wrestle under his real name, which is Cody Runnels. And that might be that might be the option that he goes under. Who knows? Yeah, but I mean, do you be pricks and really try to take that name Rhodes? I mean, I think that that's, that would be a little ridiculous. And I'm not saying they're going to do that, but I mean, that would be kind of fucked up. You know, I, I just... For a couple things. First of all, what he wrote <laughs> was really something. And I want to tell everyone, bring your, raise your volume, come a little closer and listen to Bronx. For those who think this is a work, he would not have been allowed to say the shit that he said if this was anything near a work, okay? Some of the shit he said about writers hitting on young female wrestlers and how some of the writers just pretended their laptops were on and ignored him. WWE would never go that deep for a work. This is almost like the CM Punk pipe bomb that everyone thought was a fucking shoot. This isn't a work, okay? Trust me, he's no. It's it's not a work by any by any stretch of the imagination. He's gone. You know, I got to eat a little crow here because I I said that I didn't think that Cody would go anywhere else. That he's a WWE guy. Maybe he's just taking some time off. I, I'm wrong on this one. However, I don't see him going to TNA. I just don't see that as a viable option. Going to TNA means absolutely dick at this point. I don't see that happening. No, and he's got a famous family name. He's known. He's been on WWE TV for years. Why the fuck would he go to TNA? He'd go to Ring of Honor, Japan, hell, even Lucha Underground. You know, the, the thing that's messed up is with Cody leaving, you know, I thought if ever there would have been a time where Cody Rhodes could have won a world championship, even if it was just temporarily, you know, like I'm not saying you give Cody Rhodes a, a world title long term. You know, he's a great mid-card guy. I'm not saying that, you know, he deserves to be in the World Heavyweight Championship scene. I think Cody's a good worker. I don't think he's a great worker. I think he's good. However, with him leaving the company, the only other person, I think, that could make this milestone, and they've already done it with the women. You know, Ric Flair was, was a multi-time World Heavyweight Champion. 
Well, his daughter now is a world champion women's wrestler. Dusty Rhodes was a multiple-time world heavyweight champion. There's never in the history of, of WWE been a father-son combo who were both world heavyweight champions. That could have been accomplished with Cody Rhodes. It could still be accomplished with Goldust, but I don't think it's going to. Cody, I think, had possibility of that happening, but with him leaving, unless he wins like the NWA title, you could still go with that, but I just think that that possibility is out the window. Bob Orton was never a world champion, was he? He was not. Ooh, that's an interesting point you made. Yeah, and I don't see Goldust winning the title anytime soon. So, I mean, let's let's look at other famous families. The Hart family, you've got Natalia, but her dad was never the world heavyweight champion. He was a tag team champion, so that that wouldn't qualify her. Brett has kids, but none of them are wrestlers. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, at this at this stage of the game, yeah, I mean, true. I mean, I never thought of that. Yeah, that that's a great point. Well. You know what, Cody, I think, is one of those guys who at some point might come back down the road after he's gone for a little bit. But then again, with what he wrote, maybe not. If he doesn't burn bridges. I mean, you know, he was respectful of Triple H and the legacy that his dad has there. If Dusty were still around, he I don't think he would have left. But with Dusty gone, I don't think he saw any reason to stick around. I think that's why he was so you know, content and complacent all those years was because he didn't want to disappoint his father. And I think now... He sees an opportunity to go out there and make a name for himself. And you know what? Kudos to him for having the balls to do it. It seems like a lot of the mid-card guys right now are are basically throwing a mutiny down on WWE. The problem is it doesn't really matter to them because they have talent coming up from NXT that they're going to bring up. You know, do you think they, they give a shit if they lose Ryback or they give a shit if they lose Cody Rhodes or they give a shit about this guy like Wade Barrett? They don't care because they're bringing up new talent. Yeah, and I think the strategy these guys are using is a bit flawed because while I respect the things that Ryback and Cody said, what you need to understand is when you do that, you're you're burning bridges. When you take shit, WWE hates when you take, which is one of the reasons I think that Punk will never work for them again, or if he does, it won't be for a long time. When you reveal that business end of it that backstage shit that they don't want people to know about that gets you legit heat so cody and and guys like ryback we may not see them back in the e for a while until that's it i think the only way cm punk would ever come back is if he makes amends with vince but if he doesn't do that i just don't see it because triple h doesn't like the guy and as long as triple h is in power when he finally takes over the company, I just don't see Punk ever coming back. And at this point, I don't care that he ever comes back. I, I don't give a shit about Punk. I mean, he's lucky if he ever makes a UFC to debut right now. So, I mean, whatever. You know, I, I don't think that's going to happen either. But the only saving grace would be if he fucking makes amends with Vince because Triple H ain't ever making amends with that guy. No, no, not after that interview. I agree with that. I mean, well, yeah, we'll see. But... You know, I wish guys like Cody the best. I mean, Ryback, he hasn't officially been released, but I mean, come on, it's coming. It's coming. I mean, they're not going to agree to his terms, and and I would agree with some of the things Ryback said. I like Ryback, personally. I might be the only person on the fucking planet that liked Ryback, but at one point in time, Ryback was just as over as John Cena was. 
Well, like, okay, I'm, hold on. Let me let me recant that. I wouldn't say he was as over as John Cena, but he was getting a huge pop next to a guy like a John Cena. He could he have been the number potential. two babyface. Yeah, he had the potential. He did to be John Cena. So you know, I I just think that creative did him no favors, <laughs> no favors at all. Granted, he did have a couple injuries. He did stiff a couple people. But at the end of the day, I thought there was potential with Ryback. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen in WWE. He's done. I, I Unless they, they come to some sort of agreement and they make him a top star on one of the brands, I just don't see him coming back. I, I just think that's it. What, what what's, what's there left for Ryback? I mean, I'm sure he would excel in Lucha Underground. I mean, I'm sure he could go to TNA and be fucking world champion the day he debuts. But, again, why would you go to TNA? Because that title means nothing. They're not even recognized as a world com- a world championship anymore. I mean, they're just days away, literally, from having the curtain pulled out from underneath them. So, to me, it's not an option. But to Ryback, maybe it is. Who knows? I agree with some of the things he said. Not necessarily all of them. I mean, obviously, look, the wrestling business has been structured this way for 100 years. You're not going to get paid what a John Cena gets paid, you know, if you're in that on that level. You're not. Now, as far as I find it amazing. So am I to understand that WWE wrestlers have to pay for their own airfare they don't cover that at least no they cover the airfare you have to pay for your own hotel rooms is my understanding see that's one of the the main thing i think i have a little issue with because what you're telling me is okay i'm an independent contractor but i've decided to go with you in order for me to do my job i obviously have to be in this location at this time that should be covered. I'm not saying you should cover the guy's food. I mean, come on. You want to, you know, my, my job doesn't pay for my lunch. But they but do. It, but they do in catering. Well, well, yeah, but they don't cover the other meals when they're not in the arena. No. You understand no. what I'm saying? And, and I don't think they should. But I think, damn, at the hotel and maybe even the rental car, you could fucking pay for. Now, see, I don't know what the inner workings of, of how a contract, uh, look, I, I know that I have people that I've known that are under contract, and I've never asked them the specifics of their contract. So I'm not going to go out and say that I know how a contract works. I do know, however, that they do pay for their own hotel rooms. That's been a well-known fact for fucking years. Mick Foley in his books wrote about how they used to have to share hotel rooms, and he would st- always stay at the Red Roof Inn because it was the cheapest place to stay and all this and that. So that's that's the no-brainer. I, I've... I don't agree with wrestlers having to pay for their own hotel rooms. I think that the E should be covering that. I think they should be covering their own food costs, however. I don't think that that's something that they should do. I mean, they do provide a catering service at their shows that, you know. Absolutely not, no. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, in the airfare, obviously, they should be covering, and they do. But I, I, I'm not going to be the first person to come out here and say, oh, yeah, I know how a contract works. I don't. I don't know what's what's included, what's paid for or not. I just know that they are paying for their own hotel rooms. Yeah, and the fact that we don't know this, it, we are totally to blame because we should have bought Virgil's old contract when he put it up for sale on eBay. I offered 99 cents. He rejected it. I think Virgil's contract said something like he had to pay them to work for them. I think that's how that worked. No, I'm shooting. I actually went on fucking eBay. 
I'm shooting too. I think that Virgil had to pay to be a superstar. I made a 99 cent bid for this fucking contract. Well, it's still too much. Still too much. Let me see what other news. I think that's pretty much it, man. The the Cody Rhodes thing, the Adam Rose being released, the brand split. I don't really know of any other big news topics that's going on right now. I got one for well, it's not a news topic, but I have a question for you. It's something else big that we really didn't we, we kind of forgot about about the pay-per-view and, and raw, man. Oh, I gotta ask you, what do you think about Seth Rollins, man? Heel face, where do they go? I think that you know the fans want him to be face, and if you put him in a situation where he's going to be challenging Roman Reigns, the fans are going to be behind him. I thought he did a pretty good job on Monday night of shutting the fans down and saying he burned all their fucking letters and he didn't read a damn one of them. I thought it was great. It was great heel heat. However, they're still cheering him because they prefer him over Roman Reigns. So he's still going to get that babyface reaction. I really think they're going to have to turn Roman heel. I, I think that Seth is going to be cheered from this point on as a babyface. Yeah, I mean, I, I see, it's sad because I think it's still a last-ditch effort. Can we create a heel enough to get Roman some babyface pop? And, you know, again, here's a guy saying all the get well, and I'm sure a lot of fans did send him get well letters, and of course he didn't burn them, but... To say that is you like pissing on, really pissing on the fans. Now, can you imagine some little kid who wrote Seth Rollins a get well letter and he's saying, I burned it. But yet, when he gets in that ring against Roman Reigns, he's gonna be the face. There's nothing Rollins could do to make the fans hate him enough for him to get booed against Reigns. And, and that's a shame for Reigns. I'm, I'm starting to feel bad for him. You know, like we've said all along, they have Reigns miscast as a babyface. I think he needs to be a heel. And I think he needs to do something pretty treacherous, you know, to become that heel. I, I, I still maintain that last year they should have had Dean Ambrose win that title from Seth Rollins. And then they should have had Roman come out and beat the shit out of him and turn him heel. Yeah, I, 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 I just, agree. I, you know, I, I don't know where they go from here. But, you know, I, I think that in all reality, Seth Rollins is going to be uh, the babyface going forward. And, you know, I mean, this isn't the first time something like this has happened. You go back to, um, what, 2000, uh, 2001 when Triple H was the top heel in the company. And then they transitioned to a point where they, they turned Stone Cold heel and you had the two-man power trip running around. And... Triple H gets gets hurt. He tears his quad in that fucking tag match with uh, with Benoit and Jericho, and he's gone for the rest of the fucking year. And you know they're showing you all these these the, you know these recovery things with Triple H where he's coming back, and then he wins the Rumble in two thousand two, and he's the number one contender, and he's cheered as a fucking babyface. He comes back that night on Raw, and the fucking Madison Square Garden goes nuts. It's the biggest ovation of all time, and Triple H was the bad guy, and he comes back, and he's the babyface. It's hard when you take a guy that was a fucking badass heel or a cowardly heel, and he's gone for almost a year. He comes back. And he's immediately welcomed back by the fans. It's hard to turn that guy back heel. Like, they're going to fucking recognize that they missed him. 
People missed Seth Rollins. We all missed Seth Rollins. So obviously he's getting a babyface pop. And I just don't know at this point that you can you can make him go full tilt heel and that people are not going to be behind him. Well, I mean, I was in the garden. I was there when Triple H came back. You know, it was a privilege. I loved the fact that I was there. The one guy, though, who I'm going to be interested in, and I am going to watch Raw this Monday night because I saw the response Cena got at the Hall of Fame. I am going to be absolutely captivated to see what kind of response he's going to get this Monday night. Because if he gets booed, that that's got to hurt. That will hurt worse than anything if he gets booed after coming back from injury. You know what? I think a lot of people are going to cheer him because he's been gone a while. And pe- so, people yeah. people were liking what he was doing with the U.S. title. You know, I, I think that he's going to get probably, a, it might be a mixed reaction, but I think you're going to see a lot of people cheering him. You know, I mean, I'm not a big Cena fan, but you know what? I've kind of missed him too. <laughs> I hate to say that, but I've kind of missed John Cena. I, I was really enjoying the U.S. title open challenges. I That was, to me, the highlight of Raw every week because he was having great matches with, with mid-card guys, you know? Uh, so I'll be glad to see him come back. I just don't want to see, you know, him get the U.S. title right off the bat. I think that's the direction they're headed. See, the one thing about Cena, I wonder... I still think at some point he's going to be in that world title picture again. But then you've got the dilemma. If he wins it, he ties Ric Flair. But he's going to. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure. He's going to. In fact, I would say he probably overtakes Ric Flair. I would say he not only does he tie him, but he probably has one or two championship reigns past that. And I also agree with you what you said earlier. You know, I think Reigns and Cena definitely need to be on on separate brands when you do the split. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but there's all kinds of rumors they wanna they wanna have Reigns and, and John Cena for, for WrestleMania next year, which would be a good match, I think. It'd be a passing of the torch kind of thing. But I think if you're gonna do that, Reigns has to be the heel. I agree. Nah, I don't know because It'll be an interesting dynamic because the, you have fans who, I mean, Romans, the reactions been getting a little more mixed. I've been hearing some cheers. You know, it's going to get to the point where it, it'd be an interesting dynamic to see who would be the face in the heel. I think Roman has to be the heel because I still don't think they're ever going to make Cena. I think Cena will retire without a heel run. And I hate to say that because I could write it in my sleep. But, but he had a heel run. When John Cena first came in, he was a heel. Yeah, but bro, that's like Hogan's heel run when he first came in is like Terry Boulder. Like no one remembers it. Doesn't matter. He he's had a heel run before, but he'll never have another one again. I don't think so either. You know, I'm done arguing that point. I I I don't think they're ever gonna do it. I don't think he wants it. But if they ever do do it, it'll be interesting. I would love to be proven wrong, but we'll see. I doubt it though. I agree with you. All right, well, that being said, I think we're going to take our final break. When we come back, uh, we got some things to talk about. I want to talk about the Flash, dude. Right, so yes. we're, we're going to end the show talking some Flash. And and you finally watched the prequels, and I want your opinion on those. Oh, brother, I'm all down, son. Let me tell you what I did. Not only did I watch the prequels in one night, 
uno, dos, tres. I also have seen part seven, The Force Awakens. Okay, okay. We're, we're going to save this when we come back from the break. We'll do this, and we'll talk Flash, and we're going to end the show. So if you haven't watched The Flash, this is your this is the good night to you guys because we're going to be going pretty hot and heavy over the season finale of The Flash. So, oh, so for those of you that, uh, that didn't watch it, you might want to tune out this next segment. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you next time. On that note, we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to get into some serious shit, folks. Oh, yeah. Come get on the train. (laughs) Pippin ain't easy. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brian Williams, senior game designer at 2K Sports. And you're listening to SNS Radio Network with my man, Jeff Jackson. Welcome back to Unplugged with Bronxzilla, Tony J. Marabella, and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, on the SNS Radio Network. back right here in the last segment of unplugged a lot to cover little time to get it done in <laughs> like like that's ever gonna fucking really happen we'll go all night if we have to in this last segment but uh i am mr money on the mic jeff jackson i'm being joined of course by my co-host bronxzilla tony J. mirabella we've never done like three plus hour shows right like that never happens right well we did actually have a legit piss break during that commercial this is true, and it you know as I told you, it takes me a little longer because you know I have a broken wheel. So, eh, you'll be all right, man. You're a tough bastard. I am a tough bastard because I, I'm not in a lot of pain and I'm taking very minimal meds. So, oh, and by the way, don't be jumping any ramps on your bicycle until your foot heals. I saw that shit. Uh, you know what? I don't have a bike to jump anymore. But back in the day, oh yeah, I used to do some really stupid shit back in. You remember back in the day, like the early? Well, you were probably too young for this. Because you're a little younger than me, but I remember back in the 80s when the BMX phase was like, there was movies about dudes, you know, jumping shit, fucking on bikes and stuff. And I can't remember which movie it was, but there was one movie I used to watch all the time. And it had that that song, Send Me an Angel by Real Life. You ever heard that one? 
Oh, that's not the one by Scorpion. No, that, no, no. Uh, this is this is Send Me an Angel. Yeah, th- there is a Send Me an Angel by the Scorpions, but it's you know what? I'll fucking find that. We'll play it for Song of the Night. Sounds good. My most embarrassing moment on a bike was when I was at um, at school. When you don't see that well, they used to have it. I'll be honest with you. I would love to buy one because my balance is bad. I can't ride a two-wheel bike. But this was a three-wheel bike. And it wasn't training wheels. The motherfucker had two giant, legit wheels on the back. Bronx, that's called a big wheel. You rode that when you were five. No, this was a real bicycle. Yeah, I did have a this big This motherfucker wheel. riding a big wheel for real, folks. And I fell on the motherfucker. That's how pathetic. I took a turn too fast and fucking I tipped a three-wheeled bike. How do you wreck a fucking big wheel? Bro, I wrecked the motherfucker. Fucking Bronx and his goddamn big wheel. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. Our credibility's fucking shot. We had it. It's gone. We need to move to the Flash. I get it. No, no, we're not doing the Flash just yet. We're going to talk some Star Wars. I'm down. So you finally, what, it took you, what, I don't know, 30 years to finally see the original trilogy? In its entirety. I told you I'd seen bits and pieces of it, but I actually sat down. I think uh, Force Awakens kind of kind of lighted the flame again, and I sat down last weekend from like 7 p.m. till 3 in the morning, and I watched all three of the motherfuckers you, back to back. So you watched the, the prequels, not the original trilogy? No, the original trilogy I've already seen. Okay, but I didn't see the prequels yet, so I went back and watched them. And and what were your impressions? Because you know, there, there a lot of people are mixed on the prequels. I didn't hate them. I thought that they were the weaker trilogy, but there were there were aspects of the prequels that I really enjoyed. Um, there were some that I didn't enjoy, but on the whole, I'm not a prequel hater. There's a lot of people out there that you either love them or you hated them. You know, I was somewhere in the middle. Parts I love, parts I hated, but. What were your thoughts on the on the Star Wars one, two, and three? Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. I gotta go with you, man. I, I'm kind of mixed. I mean, I, I thought there were good parts and bad parts. What I found interesting is how they went from part one, which was basically a fucking Disney movie. I mean, it was a kids movie almost, with very young Anakin Skywalker, to the second one, which got a little more serious. And then in part three, Darth Vader is killing fucking children. I just thought that they they took it from extremely lighthearted to extremely dark, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I think if you were someone who had never heard of Star Wars and started off watching part one, you were like, oh, I can let my kids watch this and shit like that. And then by part three kids are getting slaughtered i mean i thought it went a little dark a little quick no it did go dark pretty quick but even the original trilogy kind of went dark too pretty quick i mean you you look at the first star wars uh which is now known as a new hope but initially it was just called star wars back in 1977 sure and that really wasn't a dark movie i mean it was it was action-packed it was different it it had a light-hearted feel to it but once you got into Empire Strikes Back, shit got real. It got dark quick. Yeah, it's like we went from to like, you know, yeah, fucking people getting killed and their limbs getting cut off and shit. You make a good point. I didn't think of it that way. You're right. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, George Lucas, 
I think when you look at the prequels and you look at the original trilogy, there's a lot of similarities um, in the style of the, the way he did things. So, I mean, he did at least keep that going. Uh, I think one of the things the prequels got right, I thought Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, Liam Neeson, to me, stole that movie. The, the first one, you could have just made the movie about Liam Neeson and it would have been great. Um, oh, great. He was He's probably the, the best interpretation of a Jedi in my opinion, that they've ever done. I, I really liked him as, as that character. Yeah, I agree. And it was cool to, to sit there and see Obi-Wan as a young man, you know, him kind of like, you know, get, getting his bearings and, and having to become a, a Jedi master at some point. Uh, but you're right. That character was phenomenal. Absolutely great. Um, the one thing you and I are definitely going to agree, disagree on Yes, Jar Jar Binks is annoying, but like I didn't want to see his entire family killed like a lot of Star Wars fans do. Oh, how rude. Misa no understanding what you're saying. Like Jar Jar, mother- I wanted to see Jar Jar get beheaded quick by a fucking Sith. <laughs> Fuck that know. shit. What's up about him? And by the way, to the people who think that he was going to be the Sith Lord, you really need to like lay off the crack. Oh yeah, there's that theory out there that Jar Jar is a Sith Lord, and so you know, stupid. Oh my God, get the fuck over that shit! Like that's not even possible. Misa, no, think so. I loved though the slow, methodical, almost painfully slow burn to what Palpatine really was. You suspected it. I mean, obviously, if you saw. It, the original trilogy you knew what he was going to become which sucked in a way because they really built it where if you were someone who did who didn't see the original trilogy the hints were there but it was so slow i loved it it was so well told well like i said to me the best part of the first one was qui-gon jinn and to a point darth maul and then he got off pretty quick Although, Darth Maul sucked. Although they brought him back, Darth Maul did not die in canon. He did not die, even though he was cut in half. He was half the man he used to be. <laughs> he came back in the Clone Wars, and that's that's actually canon. He is was floating around um, in the Star Wars universe just prior to A New Hope. How they cut the motherfucker in half? Well, you're gonna have to go and watch the Clone Wars, the TV yeah, series. Yeah, I'm gonna. That's my next project, definitely. And, I and want to it, see that. You'll you'll understand it from there. Um, I wasn't really crazy about little Anakin. Uh, you know, I, again, to me, the strongest point was was Liam Neeson in that movie. Uh, Attack of the Clones, I thought was better. I, I thought Jango Fett was a badass. Yeah. Tamir Morrison was a was a good was a good uh, pick to play Django Fett, and subsequently we found out that not only is Boba a clone, but all of the stormtroopers, the original stormtroopers, the clone troopers were clones. And I prefer them over the current run of stormtroopers from the original trilogy because they were just dudes that fucking got recruited and couldn't shoot the fucking broadside of a barn. Yeah, but see now I hadn't known that the stormtroopers were originally <laughs> well. Sorta originally made the clone troopers to be on the side of good, which was all bullshit, of course, towards the end. Well, yes, they they were imprinted with a special code that Palpatine had, where we saw that in the the third. Well, okay, before we get into the third episode, 
let's go back to Attack of the Clones. I, I like the fact that, you know, things look bleak for our heroes. Uh, I, I really didn't like Hayden Christensen as Anakin. I, I want to come out and say that now. I don't think Hayden is a horrible actor, but I didn't think he did very well in these movies. I like the character of Anakin Skywalker. However, I just did not like his portrayal. I could think of 20 other people who could have done that fucking role a lot better than him. Um, and he hasn't really done shit in Hollywood since then, since the Star Wars movies. Everything he's done is bombed. And it's kind of sad because he was a very sought-after actor right before he joined the Star Wars cast. He did a, a movie back in, I think, 2000 or 2001 with uh, with Kevin Klein called Life as a House, and he was fucking fantastic. Um, probably the best role he's ever done, and that was one of his first roles. So he was a highly touted actor that could have been a big deal, and then he did the shitty job in Star Wars and had fucking flop after flop after that. So, See, I am with you to a certain extent. I thought he did good as the young, arrogant you know, I, I thought it was a cool dude. You know, he at first he's portrayed as this dude you want to hang out with. He's fucking crazy. You I'm know? being held back. I'm not the Jedi. I should be. Obi-Wan is mean to me. Ooh. Being like Andy Knowles with the crying. Well, fuck, man. I mean, that's how he came across. Ooh, I'm not the Jedi. I should be. And him and him and fucking uh, what's her face? Uh, Padme. Brutal brutal scenes between them man like there was they had about as much chemistry as fucking dry paint you know that I agree with oh fucking horrible but but i love you but i i can't be with you and and this and that and i mean i i what did he say i can't remember i kind of blocked that part out what was some of the lines where he's like i, I am tormented uh, i am tormented by the kiss that never should have happened yes, yes I, that was yeah that was brutal. i am in pain please tell me you are hurting as much as i am i and, am and, and by the way i'm actually acting this better than than hayden christensen right now so he like i said he was good when he played the cool surfer boy aspect of anakin doing all the crazy shit, jumping out of the ship. But when it came to the love scenes and then later in part three, I didn't buy him when he really went nuts. I didn't buy him as evil. Well, we, 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 we start to see the descent in Attack of the Clones when, yeah. he, when he goes to Tatooine to find his mother and finds out that she's been taken by the Sand People. And then he finds her and sees her for moments before she dies. Spoilers to anyone who's never seen the Star Wars movies. At this point, I don't fucking care. But his mom dies, and then he fucking goes nuts. And I don't know if you noticed or not. You can go back and watch it. But you actually hear Qui-Gon Jinn in the background say, Anakin, no! And it's about that time where you see Yoda, and he's sitting in the meditation chamber, and Samuel Jackson, Mace Windu walks in and he's like, young Skywalker's in pain. And if you literally go back and listen, you can actually hear Qui-Gon say, Annika, no! I missed that. I remember when Yoda was meditating and he's getting real upset. And that's when you hear it is when Yoda's meditating, you actually hear Qui-Gon say that I line. I might have heard it. I might have heard it. 
Because later on, we find out that that Qui-Gon has actually come back as a force ghost. No, he hasn't come back as a force ghost, a partial force ghost. He's able to, I think he in the Clone Wars series at the end, they kind of explain this. He, uh, he teaches Yoda how to do it, but he wasn't able to fully become a force ghost. He could only do the voice. He couldn't like show up as a force specter. He was only able to to get to the point where he could he could speak to Yoda, and he actually shows Yoda the way on how to do it. And then Yoda talks to to uh, Obi Wan in the third one at the end when he's exiled, and tells him about Qui Gon and tells him how to commune with him. And that's pretty much how the whole Force Ghost come, comes about is I'm through that training. You see, I'm surprised that. Qui-Gon couldn't become a full force ghost because he was a pretty powerful freaking Jedi. Yeah, but the way they explained it in the Clone Wars, the, the last season of the Clone Wars, like, I, I it's even hard for me to explain it to you, but, like, there were, like, these powers, like the, the Furies, basically, that were, like, in control of the force or whatever, and he had a connection through them, and he wasn't able to complete his training through them in order to become a full-fledged force ghost. Because he was killed before that point. All right. So obviously everything you're telling me is I need to see the damn Clone Wars. Yeah, pretty now, much. Now, that animated? Wasn't that animated? It is animated, yes. And and it starts off slow. The Clone Wars movie was brutal. I went to the movie theater and saw it and almost walked out. It was fucking brutal. Because it was made for little kids. But you start watching the series, The Clone Wars, and they're only 30-minute episodes. And it really it gets good. Like It, it starts to go more adult. And it gets better, and the animation gets better as the seasons go on. And uh, I, I fucking love that show before they canceled it. Like, it was must-watch show for me. And then, you know, Disney acquired it, and we had some problems, and they, they canceled it, and then they brought in Rebels, which is another good show that you should start watching. But anyway, go ahead and, and finish your thought there. Oh, no, I'm about done with as far as that. You know, I'm just surprised he wasn't able to come back. But I guess I'll have to see see Clone Wars and figure out why. I mean, moving on to the third movie, it's when shit really did hit the fan. The darker of the three, definitely. I, I, I kind of felt like they spent too much time with Anakin as a good guy in the third one. His initial turn should have been pretty quick because, you know, I mean, like he's only the bad guy of the movie the last 45 minutes of the movie. You know, and you see all kinds of shit happen. Like you see the the mass murder of of the Jedi through Order sixty six, you know, through Palpatine. Um, you see General Grievous, who I thought was a great character, get killed by by Kenobi. Um, I mean, just so much death happens in that late, latter half of the fucking movie um, when Anakin turns and when he kills the younglings. And here's a fun fact for you. Do you remember the scene at the Jedi Temple when Senator Organa lands? Yes. And and the two clone guards say, you need to get back in your ship and go. Mm-hmm. And there's that kid Jedi that, that comes out and is is fighting them and he gets killed. Yeah. That's George Lucas's son. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's Jet Lucas. I think his, his character was like uh, J- uh, Jet Yukasa or something like that, but... Yeah, that was that was his adoptive son Jet that uh, that played that role. And I thought the heel turn happened a little quickly too. I didn't think it happened quick enough. 
No, I mean, quickly as far as, you know, in the end when there's that scene where Palpatine's fighting, who is it, Mace Windu? Yeah. And he's like, help me, help me. Question, why did Palpatine lose, why did his face degenerate so much using the Force Lightning? Because Force Lightning, I, I there's a big bone of contention there. A lot of people think that he was always disfigured and maybe he, you know, he hid his true features. I think the force lightning debilitated him because it was bouncing off the lightsaber and it was causing damage to him. Um, that, that's that's my theory anyway. But I thought I thought for as as great a Jedi as Mace Windu was, he went out like a bitch. And yes. I don't even know that he he's really dead. Like I don't know that I would have written him off to that level. They want you to think he's dead because he gets thrown out of the window with the force lightning. You know, chances are he could have flown you know, yards away and, and could have landed in somebody's transport and, you know, they could have taken him to someplace. And, you know, maybe maybe in the Star Wars universe, old Mace Windu is is walking around somewhere with one arm and, you know, he's no longer a Jedi. But I, I think it'd be great if they had like a crazy Mace Windu story, you know, where maybe before the before the events of, of A New Hope happen, maybe Darth Vader finds him and they have a final showdown and he kills him. But I, I I don't want to believe that they killed off Mace Windu the way they did because if they did, he went out like a bitch. Well, not only that, if you can, if you're force aware and can't you levitate? I think you're able to enhance your jumps. I don't know that you can levitate. Because mm, I'm saying he might have even been able to use the force to save himself. Yeah, I thought his death was rather weird too. It was kind of like, oh man, you know. Because he he was that, going all dark side and shit. He's like, this motherfucker don't deserve to live. Yeah, he was ready. He's to too dangerous to be fucking alive. You know, I, I was waiting for him to like, I'm going to break my lightsaber off in your ass, motherfucker. Samuel L. was good at that role, though. <laughs> I just I, I, I missed I missed the profanity, though. I would have loved to have seen Samuel L. Jackson uh, like gangster Jedi. I will take my purple lightsaber and stick it up your ass, motherfucker. <laughs> Does Yoda look like a bitch? Why do you treat him like one? Too angry are you? Shut Calm the fuck down. up, little green bitch. I'm taking up for you. That would have been some good, uh, good, good stuff, man. But you know, it didn't happen. So, no. I don't no. know. I, I just, I thought that the, uh, the, the best lightsaber duels happened in the prequels. I thought Yoda and, uh, and Count Dooku was fucking fantastic. Fucking Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee was awesome as Count Dooku. I hated that he died. I, I, I literally hated that he died in the first five minutes of the fucking movie. And number three, I hated that shit. I loved Yoda doing flips and shit. I'm like, this little motherfucker's gangster. He was doing fucking... I know, because... he walk with a cane? Because the Force only sustains him to fight. Oh, I see. You know, it's that viral infection, the Metachlorians that they have that allow them to do that shit. That was the other thing that really pissed me off in Star Wars, was you thought the Force was, you know, this this really cool power that you had like telekinesis and then they explained it away in the first one is it's a infection these 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 little microbes are in your body so you have a, you have basically have a viral infection if you use the force they went very star trek with that explanation i fucking hated it they didn't need to do that yeah you know you're born force aware it means that you are somehow spiritually connected. They should where they for the one time I will ever say this in my radio career where they should have kept something spiritual. They went science and they shouldn't have. Exactly. All right. So, you know, you, you like the prequels then. 
You enjoyed them. Let's just pause for one second. I did enjoy them, but there is something I want to say. And you and I talked about this off the air, never to my knowledge on the air. I agree with you where you say that in a way Obi-Wan failed. Because as a Jedi, I don't care how evil the guy got. I don't care what he did. There's a certain compassion, not just as a Jedi, but as a human being you have to have. And I couldn't leave someone, especially someone who I had uh, a friendship with at one point, with no arms and no legs to burn to death. I would have put him out of his misery. That, without a doubt, I agree 100%, was a failing on his part. That, That final lightsaber battle between the two. Where Anakin got cocky and was like, you know, when Obi-Wan jumped up on the high ground and he goes, I'll beat you because of my power. And and Obi-Wan's like, nope, I have the high ground. Don't do it. And he does it anyway. And he fucking cuts both of his legs and his arm off. And Anakin is just like, I hate you. I hate you. And then you have at the same time Yoda and Palpatine fighting. And I thought Yoda got the better of Palpatine. But then he fucking retreats into the escape like like a fucking gerbil up Richard Gere's ass. Like, what the fuck, man? He had Palpatine beat, and he fucking crawled away like a little gerbil. Like, Armageddon, Armageddon. And fucking Organa fucking saved his ass, and he's like, I have to go into exile. Like, what the fuck, Yoda? You fucking had things going your way, and you fucking fucking punked out. And then Obi-Wan doesn't do what he's supposed to do. He doesn't kill Anakin. He just leaves him there to suffer. And he takes his lightsaber, and he walks away. I'm like... Look, I know you don't want to kill him because he's your brother, but couldn't you like force pushed him into the fucking lava? It would have would have easily killed him. He would have suffered for a minute, but it would have killed him. Like you fucking left him alive, and because you left him alive, all this bad shit happens. So yes, in my opinion, Obi Wan was a horrible Jedi. He failed miserably, and left him alive without knowing that you know they did have the technology to help him. Well, I mean, what kind of life did he live after that? I mean, do you wonder why he was a miserable motherfucker? Well, yeah, he's in this fucking suit, you know. Obviously, I don't know if it burned his dick off, but he never had sex again. I mean, poor guy. You know, I I don't know. Like, he might have had a go-go gadget penis. I don't fucking know. But his whole body was mechanical. I mean, I'm sure bathroom was fun. I'm not sure how that fucking happens. Did you see they actually do have specs for the suit out there that explains everything? Yeah, I've seen some of that shit. Yeah, some of it's pretty cool. Some of it is pretty cool. But, like, I always thought Obi-Wan was, like, the luckiest Jedi ever because Anakin was always there to save his ass. And then when Obi-Wan had any real fucking stroke, he either got lucky. Like, obviously, when he cut Maul in half, it was because Maul was not expecting it, and it was luck. But he just left him there to fucking die. And then first chance he gets, he fucking decides to sacrifice himself so that he can be a force ghost. And then he ultimately fails by not telling Luke that his sister is Leia, allowing Luke and Leia to make out. What the fuck kind of guy is that? You're not going to tell me that's my sister? You're going to fucking let me make out with her? You fucking failed on every fucking attempt, Obi-Wan. Failure as a Jedi, as a person. He fucking failed. Uh, that I mean, be that, that, hard that, that might be, look, that might be some per- pertinent knowledge that I would need to know that that's my sister. I probably shouldn't stick my dick in her. You know what I'm saying? Probably well, would have been a good idea to fucking know these things, Obi-Wan. They didn't actually fuck, right? No. Well, I don't know. I, I don't think that they did. 
That's where those things come from. Brothers and sisters fucking those. What are they called that give you the force? <laughs> I don't know. It's a genetic mutation. Those those things in the blood, whatever they are. Metachlorians? Metachlorians. That's where they come from. Because <laughs> the Jedis are committing fucking incest. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All those kids were fucking Padmes. All the youngins that got killed. Oh, and that's another thing. When, when Harmony watched the, the prequels for the first time, she was, like, disgusted with the incest because Padme was so much older than fucking Anakin. And she has this line where she says to him, when you are older, things will be different. I'm like, she's fucking hitting on this little kid. What the fuck is wrong with her? She took a sherry. Oh, my God. I love that scene. <sighs> Where's Padme? You killed her in your rage, Lord Vader. No. So cheesy, though. Look, yeah. you know what? Revenge of the Sith is one of my favorite movies. You know, as far as the Star Wars movies go, I would rank it, you know, in my top three. Because I, I really, I think Empire Strikes Back to me will always be my favorite. Yeah, me too. And I really liked Revenge of the Sith, and they're the two darker of, of the series. And I think I like Jedi a lot, too, because because of the finality. But, okay, let's transition away from the prequels. What did you think of The Force Awakens? To be honest, I think I enjoyed the prequels a little more. What? It might shock some people. Are you fucking out of your gourd? I thought it was good. I liked, um, oh, God, you have to remember, guys, I seen this like three weeks ago and only saw it once. Um, but I liked the uh, character of, of Han Solo's son. Ben Solo? Kylo Ren? Yeah. I thought he made a, a, a good new Dark Lord until he got his ass kicked. He he reminded me a lot of Anakin, whiny Anakin. I mean, seriously, with the little temper tantrums and shit. I mean, they did a good job with that. I I actually thought his acting was really good, though. Um, I think that uh, what's his face, uh, Adam Driver is the 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 name of the the guy who plays Kylo Ren. I thought he was he was very uh, he did a very good job as Kylo. Um, for those of you that haven't seen The Force Awakens, uh, spoiler alert: Han Solo dies. At the hands of his own son. Saw that shit coming. Well, yeah, I did too. I knew I knew that when he came back that he was going to die. Because he wanted Han Solo to die off in the original trilogy. So I kind of figured when, when he agreed to do this movie that that was part of the, the way they were going to do it. Um, I just, I, I absolutely loved this new movie. I like the new characters. I like Rey. Uh, I love BB-8. That fucking BB-8 is the cutest thing ever. Oh, the little robot that rolls around. Yeah, yeah. it is cute. Yeah, I think I think he's amazing. Um, no, I I like the direction that they're going here. I I thought it was cool that Luke didn't make an appearance till the very end of the movie, and he doesn't say a word. Oh, it's perfect. I just I I was, was kind of hoping for like some sarcastic shit, you know, like maybe they do an outtake or something, and he'd be like, you know, there was a hand attached to that. Do you have that too? Yeah, when she brought him the lightsaber. Well, yeah, yeah, because she's got the lightsaber, right? And the last time he saw the thing, his hand was holding it, right? And it got cut off. But it would have been kind of funny for a smart-ass response like, you know, there was a hand attached to that. Do you got that, too? Well, I found that a lot of darkness in this, too, where, you know, Luke tries to make, because, of course, the Jedi are decimated, he tries to create a new case of Jedi, and this guy kills them all. You know, it's like... It, it was 
I don't know. It, it, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with it, where they're going to go with the characters, you know? Um, I think, oh, God, again, I'm, I'm so horrible with names. But what's her name? The one who gave Luke the sword at the end. She's going to become a powerful Jedi. That's Ray, and and I think, yeah. I think that she's his kid. I, I I really think that they're gonna have to do it because the way that they've got this structured out, that lightsaber belonged to Anakin, and then it was passed on to Luke through Obi Wan. So that was two generations holding that lightsaber, and. I almost think that with the way that the lightsaber called out to her, because you remember Maz Kanata was talking and said the lightsaber's calling out to you. And when she has the fight with, with Kylo Ren after he beats up Finn. It goes to her. Nearly kills him. And he goes to reach for it. And it's moving. And you think it's going to him. And then it goes right past him. And it lands into her hands. I, I She has to be a Skywalker. Whether she's Luke's kid or whether she's Han and Leia's kid, which is another theory that's going around, even though Han and Leia acted like they didn't know her. The theory is that Kylo Ren put her on that planet because that's his sister and he couldn't kill her. And so he did it to hide her from Snoke and he mind wiped her. And Leia and Han think that she's dead. That's one theory. The other theory is that she's Luke's daughter. There's another theory going around that she's Anakin resurrected. Or Anakin reincarnated. And I hope that's not the one they go with. Because that would be stupid. Yeah, it'd be stupid. But I, but, but, so, they, but they also had, before this movie came out, there was a teaser trailer. And it had Luke's voice. And he goes, the force is strong in my family. I have it. Or my father had it. I have it. My sister has it. Now you have it. So that would reflect that she does have a connection to the Skywalker clan. She is a Skywalker of some sort. Unless Anakin, after he turned into Darth Vader, you know, had a fucking one night stand with somebody on a fucking planet and produced another kid, which I don't think happened. So, I mean, there's theories going around. I kind of I kind of wonder where they're going to go with this, but I kind of think that she's either Luke's kid or she's on and Leia's kid. It's the only way to, to explain it. I just don't want it to be Luke's kid. <clears throat> Luke's kid and him not know it. I think he, I think he if, if if she is his kid, he he either put her on that planet to hide her. Because remember, Kylo and the Knights of Ren kill all the Jedi, which would right. lead to possibly her mother being killed by Kylo or the Knights of Ren. So I mean, it's possible, but Kylo seems to know something's up with her when when the the guy says a woman or a girl helped them escape on Jakku. And he fucking loses his shit and almost chokes the guy out. And he's like, what girl? Like, like he knows about this girl. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm led to believe that that might be the scenario. I don't know. Either way, I'm looking forward to, to number eight next year. The two things I liked about her was when she was able to, you know, she was able to fight off Kylo Ren. And he's like, you know, she's not even trained. And, and I couldn't get into her head. And then when she uses the Jedi, I like the little bit of humor they added into it. When she does the Jedi mind trick on the fucking stormtrooper, you will release me from these bonds. Yes, I will. Does it? You will drop your weapon at the door. I think I'll drop my weapon at the door. I love the Jedi mind trick. Well, you know, and and the funny thing about that, too, is that, you know, people are like all like, well, how did she fucking learn the force really quickly? Well, if you think back to when Kylo grabbed her and took her aboard the ship and was interrogating her, he got into her mind. 
and he basically unlocked her dormant force powers. I think she might have been trained as a young child, and then she was mind-wiped and forgot about it, and he fucking unlocked that shit when he got in her mind because remember she says you're afraid that you'll never be as well you'll never be as good as Darth Vader. And that's when her powers started coming to her. Did you know that the stormtrooper that that lets her loose is Daniel Craig? Oh, really? Yeah, that that was cuz they they filmed this movie at Pinewood, which is in London. And this was going on around the same time they were doing the James Bond movie, Spectre. And so they brought him in, and he played that stormtrooper for a brief cameo. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't recognize the voice. That's that's Daniel Craig. Is that stormtrooper? Yeah, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they, like you said, where they go. I mean, because at this point, is it canon that Luke is like a god at this point? He's one with the Force. He's supposed to be like unstoppable. Well, I don't know how unstoppable he is, but yeah, he's he's a very powerful Jedi. Probably the most powerful Jedi that ever lived. I'd like to see the whole series end where he probably will end up dying, but like the Jedi get, what's the word? They rebound. They come back where there's Jedi warriors again. They bring peace to the universe. I think that's how you would ultimately end it. Well, I, I think that you have to. I think the Jedi will come back, but um, I think he, he tried to, to to do this new order and then, you know, his nephew turned on him and killed everybody. And so he went into exile because he felt like he couldn't he couldn't train anybody. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll explain why he went into exile, but I'm pretty sure it has something to do with his nephew turning on him and all of his students ended up getting wiped out. But and, and I still think at the very end when he's standing there, I think he's standing next to a gravesite. So I think that might have been his his woman or maid or whatever. And that's why he's there. But I don't know. And now, where does this new um, leader of the Sith come from? What What is his name? Well, um, he's not a Sith. He's just he's a Force user, but he's not a Sith. Um, the Sith are all gone. Like this Snoke guy is not not a Sith. Um, I don't know anything about him right now. I don't know if he used to be a Sith or what he is. Who knows? Well, the Sith there's always only two. I found that interesting. I didn't know that. There's two. There's the leader and his apprentice, and that's it. Well, yeah, but that that was only a rule a thousand years before the Star Wars trilogy even began, because it was it was Darth Bane, no, not that Bane, Darth Bane who instituted the rule of two, and he had himself as a Sith and 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 one apprentice. Was he really able to cheat death the way Palpatine? Was it him? Palpatine was talking about. No, that's Darth Plagueis was. Palpatine's master that there's there's a lot of rumors that maybe this is Darth Plagueis returned that he didn't die in the first place I don't know we'll have to we'll have to play this one out I, I have no idea I'm getting into this shit I mean it, I'm, I'm looking forward tomorrow night I don't have to work Monday I'm gonna check out the Clone Wars I mean I, I'm really getting into it now and I'm looking forward to part eight we'll see what you know we'll see what they do I'm wondering if they're just gonna do seven eight nine that's it well, no, there, there actually, there is one coming out this year, but it's not, it's not uh, episode eight. Rogue One comes out in December, and it's between three and four. Yeah, it's a, it's a prequel to A New Hope, and this is how the Death Star plans get stolen, basically. And uh, Darth Vader is going to be in this. Like I've already heard a lot of rumblings. He is a returning character in this, and he's supposed to be brutal as fuck. 
Well, that's going to be cool because if you really look at it at the end of part three, you look at, I think Darth probably started off more powerful than even in four, five, and six because when he first finds out about Padme, you know, the whole place shakes and all this shit. And I think that at this point, he's totally gone. Maybe he regains a little bit of sanity later on. But, I mean, Anakin is done. He's fucking out of his mind. In fact, Palpatine almost looked like he was a little bit frightened when he saw that display of power. So, yeah, I would have Darth Vader be brutal as shit. He just, you know, lost his woman. He just got cut in fucking half. Yeah, it would make sense. He'd be brutal as hell. I don't think that Palpatine is afraid of him at that point. I think that, uh, in all honesty, I think that uh, that Anakin lost a lot of his uh, his abilities when he got fucked up. Um, obviously, the Force lightning can't happen if you don't have natural limbs. So he could never use the Force lightning. That's why he never used Force lightning in the entire series, because... His right arm was mechanical after the second movie, and then the rest of his limbs were mechanical afterward. I think that Anakin could have been the the most powerful Jedi that ever lived had he not gotten fucked up by Obi-Wan. But because of that, he was just a, a shell of his former self. And you got to remember, the whole thing about the dark side is the dark side feeds into your passions and your fears and your hatred. And... Vader hated no one more than he hated himself because it was his fault that Padme died. It was his fault that the Jedi were destroyed. It was his fault. And so he had a lot of self-loathing, which made him powerful in the Force. But at no time did I ever think that he was more powerful than Palpatine because he was Palpatine's bitch, and he knew it. There was nothing he could do. He knew that he was fucked from the moment he did it. Yeah, you make a good point. So uh, there was there was a, a fan. Uh, oh, what was it like a fan story that came out some years ago where Darth Vader and Darth Maul had a lightsaber duel like they ran across each other at some point. Right. And Vader killed Maul. And before Maul dies, he's like, you know, how are you so powerful or something? And Vader says, because I hate myself or something like that. It, it was all about his self-loathing that caused him to be uber powerful in the force. Yeah. It makes sense. It feeds into, you know, into the dark side. That's where it comes from. Exactly. Everything bad. But overall you're, you're, uh, you're, you've kind of gotten brought into the whole star Wars universe again. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's going to be fun. We'll, we'll definitely take this up again. Once you've watched some episodes of the clone wars or, or something, or, or maybe after December when we see the, uh, the rogue one movie that comes out, but, uh, we need to transition and wrap things up. We have to talk about The Flash. Oh, here where you and I are probably going to disagree again. Probably, yes. So give, give me your thoughts on the season finale. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't like the ending. I thought it was a good episode, but I don't like where they're going. So you, you fill in the blanks here. You go ahead. Well, the reason I give it a pass is I think that Let's start with the point up until, you know, where he's fighting Zoom. Let, let's go to that. You know, Zoom obviously 
has steals this device that's going to destroy every other Earth but Earth One because Earth One is the main Earth. That's something I think they shouldn't have done, but they did it. And basically, Barry creates a time remnant, which they still really haven't explained adequately to me. I'm so confused with the whole time remnant thing. What I think it is, it's like if you go back in time three seconds, there's now two of you, but you've gone back so short a time that you're together. And I think that's kind of what Barry did. That's, that's how they explained it. But using that time remnant, he's able to prevent this magnetar from being activated. And then, which I loved, and I'm going to give you guys a little insight here to the comics, the creatures from the the um the speed force come out and grab zoom and he turns basically into this skeleton and they drag him back into the speed force because even though they didn't like the fact that barry created a time remnant what zoom was trying to do was worse now when zoom went into the speed force he looked a lot like a character from the comics called the black flash who is the Grim Reaper for speedsters. When a speedster dies, the Black Flash shows up and takes them into the speed force. It almost looked like he was given that assignment because he looked a lot like that's what the Black Flash looks like in the comics. But then later on, I'll let you take it from here and and give your view first of what you thought about what happens later on. Well, I mean, I didn't have a problem with the... uh the speed force taking zoom. I kind of figured that was the direction they were going to go. Cause I was, I was clamoring. I'm like, kill him, Barry. I, I wanted Barry to kill him, but he's like, no, I'm not, I don't have to. And then they, they come and grab him and take him into the speed force. So, you know, the other remnant dies, which I don't understand how that works because I, I don't get the whole remnant thing. I don't, because I would think that even though he's a remnant, of a past Barry that was that was running through the Speed Force, his death would still cause ripples, in my opinion. Because if he was a past one, then that would affect the, the one that's... I'm so confused. It could have been the future Barry that sacrificed himself. The one that was a few seconds in the past wasn't the one who died. It was actually the present Barry. So in that scenario, it wouldn't affect your past. That's the way they could go around that. They never told you which one it was that died. Okay. I'm still confusing as I'll get out though. It is, but I'm just trying to help out. (laughs) I agree. So then, you know, um, there's a celebration at, at Joe's house, you know, with, with the family. And of course, you know, Barry is devastated because his, his dad is gone and, now you've got Jay Garrick, who is, has been revealed to be uh, like the Earth Three Flash, which is his dad, basically, um, under his his uh, his dad's mother's maiden name was Garrick, which we found out earlier in the episode, and I'm like, oh fuck! I think it was like two episodes before that when they when they announced that, and I'm like, really? That's interesting. So Iris and Barry have their discussion, and you know. She basically is ready to to be with Barry, and he says he needs to do something. And she said she'd she'd wait for him. She's always going to be here for him. And then he makes the stupid, selfish decision 
to go back in time and stop his mother from ever dying in the first place, which basically kills the last two seasons of the fucking Flash. Everything that has happened now has been undone, which now is going to cause even more problems. I just didn't like the way this fucking ended. I thought it was selfish for Barry to fucking do that. Yeah, it sucks that he's at all this loss. I get it. And I would be affected by that too. But now you've effectively brought Zoom back into things because Zoom is still on the other earth killing people. The reverse Flash is still killing people. Like Effectively, everything that happened in the last two seasons is now nullified. Well... All right. I, right, right or wrong. By going back in time, he prevents himself from becoming the Flash when he does. He saves his mother. His dad doesn't go to prison, which means the continuity with Earth 2 and Earth 3, all that still happens. It's just now everything that's happened on Earth 1 hasn't happened. But now what you have to remember, first of all, I liked. Now, isn't the actor who played Barry's dad the guy who played the original Flash? Yeah, that's John Wesley Shipp, who was in the 1990s version of The Flash. Yeah, He prized that role. What they were trying to do was give a nod to that series. where well, that they've, been, they've been doing that since the, the beginning of the, the, the story because it's always been him and Amanda Pays, who was also in The Flash, as the doctor. She's the doctor for the other institute, right? right. And, yeah, so, like, they've been doing that since the first episode. But I like how they tied it in this way. But here's here's my deal why I disagree with you a little bit. Because I, Barry is a fucked up kid. And a lot of people don't realize that. He's fucked up. And I think there was just too much that was piled on his plate. And it's easy to sit here and say what he did was irresponsible. But, bro, the power to change the past, that's something that has to live with you every day to know. But... It's too much responsibility for one person to have. I mean, think about it. I think that, like, if I had the power to go back in time, would I use it? Part of me would say yes. But if I went back in time and changed, for example, high school, say I became a better student and I did things differently and things in my life happened uh for better maybe i got a better job maybe maybe i went to a different field uh it would completely nullify every or nullify everything that i did previous which means i wouldn't have been married to harmony i wouldn't have had my daughter lexi wouldn't would not exist and i just think that you really can't make a decision like that you can't go back and change things like that it's too much power for one person to have and it's selfish to go back and change things because not only have you changed your future, you've changed everything else as well. Well, what you have to remember is the entire Flash series is in an alternate timeline. Barry originally didn't get his powers until much later. And what fucked things up was when Reverse Flash went back in time to kill him and ended up killing his mom instead out of rage. That's where this whole timeline is in. So what Barry, what I think they're going to try to show us is the timeline that would have existed if Reverse Flash hadn't killed his mom. That's probably, I hope it doesn't occupy the third seat, the whole third season. I have a feeling they're going to resolve this quicker than that. 
I don't know how you go back though. Like, I don't know how you would go back from that point once you've done this. Now here's my question: Where here's where they screwed up too? Where was the Barry who went over to his mom while she was dying? See, he wasn't there. Now the Barry who shook his head and was like, "You stupid fuck," and then vanished. I'm assuming that was the Flash from the distant future, not the version of him that went back and didn't kill his mom because, I mean, it didn't save his mom because older Flash shook him off and told him, don't do it. You understand what I'm saying? In a roundabout way, yes. It is confusing. I mean, and I'm a pretty expert at time travel. Technically, there should have been three Flashes at that point. The one from the future who followed Zoom, uh, not Zoom, who followed uh, reverse flashback. There should have been the flash that came back to save his mom at the end of season one, but end up ended up not doing it. And then there's the flash that went back in time at the end of season two, which we saw the other day. So it's pretty convoluted. I, I don't know where they're going to go from this because if Barry didn't... Barry's mom would have lived. He wouldn't have gotten his powers till like five years later. So now does he lose them again? I don't know what they're going to do. It's confusing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But you're right about the three flashes because I remember that distinctly, that there were two previous when he went back and tried to save her the second time. You know, and he should have known when his future self told him the first time, don't do it. You know, he shook his head. And, and that should have been enough. I get what you're saying that he's selfish. The only thing I disagree is that I think where you and I disagree is I think he's been through enough shit where I can give him a pass and not call it selfishness. I, I think he fucking lost it. Yeah, but I mean, he seemed like he was pretty level headed at the end there, you know, and he was he was ready to accept things. Then it's like, well, I'm going to do this. And I, I just I just didn't like that direction. And I don't, like I said, I don't know how they resolve it or what they do or if they just start anew. Like it's like the whole two seasons didn't even fucking exist. And if that's the case, that's not going to, that's not going to work out too well. But I don't know. I I just, I just didn't like it. I wasn't the only one. Harmony was, you know, kind of shaking her head a little bit like, I don't know about this. So then you gave me a homework assignment, which I actually did. I went back and watched the, uh, the Flashpoint Paradox, the DC animated version. And I kind of got where the story could go. But I got to ask you, when did an image character named Grifter become a DC character? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Do you even know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I, Grif- I don't know. Grifter was one of the members of the Wildcats from Image Comic. And he's in this. And I'm like, what the fuck is Grifter doing in this? I did like the dynamic, though, that everything changed. Instead of Bruce Wayne losing his parents, Bruce Wayne was the one that got killed. And his father, Thomas Wayne, became Batman. Only he was a very darker version of Batman because he used guns and killed people. And didn't his mother become the Joker? Martha Wayne becomes the Joker. It it goes a lot more in depth in the comics. Like, it was pretty fucked up. And then you had Aquaman and, and Wonder Woman fighting this huge global war. Superman crash lands in Metropolis and never sees daylight because they they keep him underground and crackhead Superman. He looks like a fucking crackhead when they finally resurrect when they fucking save him. Yeah. 
you know like it was it was fucking wild you know and then reverse flash was pretty cool in this but like and i see where that could go but i was just like eh, i I just didn't like the the season finale ender i I didn't like that the final couple of minutes there i thought the episode was great and then the last five minutes they kind of lost me i was like ah no i don't like this the animated was brutal as fuck though oh my god it was brutal I like reverse flash. There isn't enough speed force to go around, and then you just hear a gunshot, and he fucking goes down, and Batman blew a hole in his fucking forehead. There is now. But I think that he made a very valid point, though, to Flash when he's telling him, he's like, you went back and changed everything, and you caused all this, and I'm the bad guy? And Mm -hmm. I was like, he ain't wrong. Yeah, some of the jokes I didn't get, like when he, he sees his mom and he tells her, I have something to tell you, and it's going to upset you. And she goes, oh, that you're gay? And he's like, what? No. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Fucking Aquaman getting ran through with a fucking sword, getting his arm cut off by Superman. Yeah. Yeah, I recommend that if you guys... And they won't be able to go that in-depth in the series because they don't have the characters. <laughs> they can't use some of those characters, so... I'll tell you, man, this has been the show Technical Difficulties from Hell. Unfortunately, they will not hear any of it. So I probably shouldn't have brought it up. No, you shouldn't have. I'm sorry. This was a great show. What did they go there? <laughs> this was a great show, minus the technical difficulties that you people will never hear about. Okay. Better? You feel yeah. better now? You're good? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. Fine. All right, cool. Glad we had I'm glad we had this talk. So what do we do? Where do we leave this off? Well, I think that the first thing we need to do, in all honesty, is hit that music. It's it's been all over the place tonight. We talked a little bit of a uh, little bit of extreme rules. We talked some raw. We talked the brand split. We talked Star Wars. We talked the Flash. My God, we talked so many things. Well, it's better to never leave it just to wrestling because then it gets boring. This is true. I think we might have had an email, though. Oh, yeah, probably. One that wasn't spam, thank God. I did get an email, but you know what? We're ending the show. I, I tell you what, I will read this on the next show that we do, Eric. We had some serious technical difficulties tonight, and some asshole sent us a nice spam email that could have ruined my computer had Bronx told me not to open it. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, motherfucker. When you send email to a computer tech, I'm going to catch it, so blow me. So, because of that, I've decided not to really go into emails tonight. But uh, we will cover it on the next show that we do in a couple of weeks. So just hang tight. We'll answer those questions. Sorry about that, Eric. Money in the bank coming up. We'll have to talk about who's going to win that. I have my theories, and I'm sure JJ has his. We'll definitely do a show before then so that we can uh, give our thoughts on what's going to happen and many more things. Uh, Just make sure you're checking out all the programming here on the SNS Radio Network. Thank you guys for continuing to listen and continuing to download. Um... That's really all I got to say, man. I, I appreciate you guys. Uh, if you go on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. It helps. 
You know, we're sorry the show is still so infrequent, but we do try to at least give you guys two shows a month. Absolutely, man. And I enjoy doing it as always. We actually didn't go five hours tonight. No, we didn't. So on behalf of Bronxzilla, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, and we will talk to you guys again in the very near future. Uh, if you do want to reach us, the best way to do so is by email. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and uh, give us those uh, give us those ratings on iTunes. It does help the show out. Uh, and if you have friends that like uh, wrestling and, and other things, tell them about the show. Word of mouth is the best way to uh, get us to expand. But anyway... On behalf of Tony and myself, happy trails. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.
15-year-old BMX Jeffrey is out there fucking ramping shit right now. Give me a fucking break. And that was the soundtrack of my life. Good night, everybody. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. <laughs>